What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to another episode of Cultivated Ignorance. Hey, we're out here. I am Will, the real host. I am Mike, the only host. Will is just the production manager. This week. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we are joined by the wonderful, the dope, the talented uh, Afro-Futurist artist, Dogon Krigger. Peace, peace. Oh, Glad to be here. Extremely talented artist, man. Yeah, I was looking at... Uh, once Mike said you were going to be on the show, I was looking at some of your artwork and I was like, okay. So, and then I saw, and then like after I saw it, like I saw, I started noticing the Afrofuturist, I guess, art in like a bunch of different things, like a little bit in Black Panther. I don't, I don't want to say the wrong shit, so like, <laughs> it'd be corrected, but I, I think I saw a little bit in Black Panther. And I've seen some, you know, just splash, like the website too, the little. I don't know what it's called, but the thing that, that happens on every page. Like, that light box. Yeah. yeah. That's what it's <laughs> That's a okay. I, I, that was I, dope. I, yeah. <laughs> um, this week we got a great show. Um, we're gonna be talking about black shit as always. <laughs> we're gonna be talking about Kendra Lamar, Pusha T, and Drake, and we're gonna talk about this body that pushes out her cash. Bro, I don't, I don't know, man, because. I went back and I heard uh, W Freestyle again. That shit, that shit hit hard. That shit hit hard. It is hard, but who hit harder? I don't know, bro. I don't yeah, know. You do. I don't know, bro. Yeah, you do, bro. I don't know, bro. I ain't gonna call it. Push it took it to a to a. He bro. he was just more disrespectful, and I guess Dude. at the end of the day, it's a diss. So I guess yeah. the name of the game is how disrespectful <laughs> That's the game would be. That's but Pusha went there. But uh, we're gonna be talking about that and how Drake can possibly win. <laughs> We gonna shut up, man. Brian can do it. We gonna be talking. We gonna be talking about, be talking about uh, Warriors, Cavs. What is this? The fourth one in a row. It is brought this up every time. Yeah, this is terrible. Oh, um, and also we are gonna be talking about the NFL's new policy, which uh, Wild Will loves it. I, I don't know about all that. I don't know if I love it. I'm just saying. We'll talk about it when we get there. But anyways, Mike's gonna uh, get to these church announcements real quick. Cool, man. Um, for those that don't know, I always try to shout out local black events or any events or basically get together featuring black artists. Um, this week we got, actually June 1st, we got um, Moon Cricket. Um, you familiar with Moon Cricket? Yes, I am. Um, actually, uh, got to meet one of their, uh, one of the guys in the in the band. Which one? Nazi or? Nazi, yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, I got to meet him a while ago, so I'm excited. I'm going to be yeah. there. You said you never seen him perform yet? Mm-mm. Oh, fam, yeah, yeah. Go. Um, they performed at Wild Wing tomorrow night, uh, June first. Just yeah. it out. Um, nine thirty. Incredible band. They always close out my show. Um, they be singing like they have, they have a lot of original music. They sing a lot of dope covers of like Little Dragon, oh, um, Frank okay. Ocean sometimes. Love incredible, incredible, and Robert the Third is insanely good as a producer. Mm. They work together quite well. The whole situation, bro. Because this is what you're doing, okay? You're doing this right here, and you're uh, blocking the mic immediately. I'm, I'm trying to hold back this heat for this audience's from that hot breath. Okay, continue. Zazie ah, loves it. All right, so that's happening June first, June third. We got poetry versus hip hop, um, hosted by Queen Sheba, a good friend of mine. She's insanely dope. For those that know about don't don't know about poetry versus hip hop, they have like a lineup of poets and a lineup of MCs go against each other. It's kind of like a battle rap stanza thing, sort of kind of. It's insanely dope. My girl Tamika State is gonna be in this year. Um, it's going down at Pearls, uh, eight o'clock. 
um, come out for that. I think that's cost money though. I might want to on an event break for that one. I try to do the free events. <laughs> freebies? Yeah, I'm trying to get you the freebies. Such as my show, which is going on June 5th, Blue Note Poetry at 8 o'clock at Speakeasy. This month we're going to be featuring Raw Beauty, who is my favorite human in the world, and uh, Darwin the Immortal, which is the most like unpredictable human in the world. Uh, if you've never seen Darwin perform, this, this dude comes out here in costumes. Oh. He's going to have fog machines. It's like daylight of this Yes, exactly. I love that. I'm going to call him that next time I see him. Niggas, if you daylight, you'd be having all kinds of props. And um, Raw Beauty, she sings, she, she raps a little bit. Insanely dope performance. Please come out for that. Lastly, I got uh, for my Georgia peoples, I got a shout out um, Shad Jules event in um, Augusta, Georgia. That's Dope Spit. Uh, I think this week I'm um, featuring Asia Lee. It's going down at K Buffalo's and like I said, Augusta, Georgia. If you know Sai Jules, insanely, insanely dope um, spoken word artist. She featured for me at Blue Note as well. So uh, hers is five dollars. So sorry, it's not a lot of freebies this week, but y'all spend some money on these black artists, please. Before Mikey told me, I, I didn't really know anything about Afrofuturism. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the concept, the history, whatever. Can you kind of explain to us what it is and kind of what got you into the, or what pushed your your art that way? Mm-hmm. Um, so Afrofuturism is, there's a few different ways uh, you could look at it and explain it. I guess the best way I could really give it to you. Are, are we recording? Yeah. Oh, oh, all right. Edit that out. <laughs> I saw you take the headphones off. I didn't know if we were. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're live. We're recording all the time. Oh, we're okay. All right. The cameras around here. <laughs> okay, so it's a way that black people, descendants of African people, uh, make art that transcends time and transcend. Well, transcends time and transcends the idea of linear time that is popular in the West. Mm-hmm. Originally a lot of tribal a lot of like a lot of our like indigenous like African people, a lot of uh cultures and tra- uh, traditional African religions understood time to be a recursive model. Uh, basically like time moves in cycles it's not just a straightforward constantly moving mm. in one direction but time moves in cycles and we, I mean which is interesting because like you know a lot of our a lot of the ways that we deal with time in the west still moves in cycles I deal with mm-hmm. here um, but it's the fact that you know that you can impact the past via the future and impact the future via the past all in you know this ever present now moment mm. so it deals heavily in and you know a lot of the you know a lot of tenants that are shared amongst um diaspora black, black black diaspora traditions um the ancestral veneration um but not but you know we do work for our, for the ancestors the ones that came before us and we also do work for those that are coming after us as well Smart. it really and it's something that we've always done, but the name uh, Afrofuturism, and it's interesting too because like I don't, I'm starting to stray away from using that term because it was coined by a white guy <laughs> when he, yeah, when he when he was originally speaking on it. Um, oh, yeah, right. Um, I mean, there's other, there's other, there are other names for what we do. What was the dude's name? 
Uh, so I have to look it up. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'd have to look it up. But um, you know, there's black quantum futurism. Um, there's black speculative arts. Um, and it really began as well. I began, but it became a response to the ways that science fiction essentially erased black people mm-hmm. from the future. You look at sci-fi from the 50s and 60s. You know, in the yeah. 60s and 70s, it was none of that. But then you, know, you have Sun Ra and and mm-hmm. and uh, George Clinton, Parliament Funkadelic, and, you know, Bootsy Collins and all these guys yeah. coming out in spaceships, like, talking about, you know, talking about future and talking about time, be, you know, being just this uh, construct and, you know, it's not really real. And Octavia Butler writing books that are, you know, some straight up, you know, like 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 real like traditional science fiction. Mm-hmm. You know, all kind of things. Um, you know, we got you know like vampires and time traveling. Um, you know, time traveling. Uh, people like going back in time, uh, rescuing their ancestors from slavery, and you know, like all kind of like you know what I'm saying, like all kind of like you know super dope shit. But it's and it's you know themes similar to. You know the the start the the stuff we would see that you know Star Trek or you know Star Wars and so on and so forth, but it's us, you know, <laughs> and it's and it's it's a it's a necessary response because so much of science fiction and particularly space travel and ideas of outer space is all militaristic. It's all captains and enzymes on a ship, and you know they're you know exploring other planets and really just practicing white colonialism in space. And <laughs> enough of that. So it's like you know we come from space too, and we go to space as well, and we you know we interact with all these same themes, but in a way that's not, and it's not just you know uh, you know white science fiction with black people. You know a lot of our stuff isn't even you know it's based in you know revolutionary action or it's based in us undoing the damage that was done to us by white colonialism and everything and us celebrating the diversity the diversity that is offered by the intergalactic community and you know technology and so on and so forth there are so many different ways you can go with it um Mm. but yeah so i um i came into it I was just doing this, and that's that's really that's really I, I guess the story for a lot of Afro like a lot of art that you would consider Afrofuturism, or just the story for Black people doing this kind of creativity. We were just doing it, yeah, you know. And this name comes along, and it makes sense. It's like, oh, that's what we're doing. So you know, I was um, you know, I've been studying all kinds of you know esoteric, spiritual, um, you know, occult, uh, you know, sciences and stuff for a long time and I started putting that into my art and you know it's experiment with you know different concepts ancient uh ancient sciences and alchemy and you know so on and you know just kind of mixing together things I like that you know real cosmic trippy kind of you know vibe and I was just like oh I, I heard about Afrofuturism because a, a good friend of mine she has a foundation called the Afrofuturist Affair up in Philly that uh, does you know does events and hosts workshops and just you know brings resources to artists it, it's amazing like she I did my first show with them and it was just like I just didn't want to leave I was like I'm going to stay here forever and just you know and, and be this 
And, you know, I am just not in Philly. I got to go back. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, so doing that, I was like, oh, that's what that is. And I started looking at, looking more into it and seeing other artists that were kind of classified. And I was like, I see a home now. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then because of that, then I started, you know, there are things, there are elements that I started adapting more and encouraged me to study more about um study more like uh, of our ancient traditions our ancient uh cosmologies and so on and start you know really engraved uh putting that into the work and you know and, and, and it be it, it took on it took on something a much deeper meaning because before it was it was really just aesthetics for me mm-hmm. um being just it was just a look of you know I'll take some, you know, I'll just take some dope outer space shit and, you know, some black shit and kind of just, you know, mash it together. It, it looks good. And then, you know, there is a, a there is a meaning in that. But the more I studied, the more I started to really get into, like, how I can use technology because I'm a digital artist. Um, I'm digital and I do, uh, you know, more like traditional uh, hands on. I do cut and paste the uh, collage as well. Mm-hmm. Um how I can use technology to essentially create portals in which we can give, you know, we can give things to our ancestors and receive things from our ancestors through this artwork um, and then to other people in the present. So, you know, I started creating images that would serve us here and now by reminding us of who we were and then reminding us also that, you know, who we were and who we are still has a place outside of you know outside of the future because you know this this white patriarchal society they want to erase us and that was the subtle ideas of of you know sci-fi in the future there's a reason why they weren't black people they didn't want us in the future they like to them in a thousand years we'd all be dead <laughs> you know yeah. so nah we're not you know we're not well, doing that all right so i was thinking about that like as far as you know if you see movies, sci-fi movies when you don't see no black people. I was wondering is it that they really are trying to erase us? Or they just we just not their concern. Like black life isn't necessarily their concern. So they just wouldn't have the mindset to think about the fact like we need an adequate amount of black people in this cast or whatever. Well I apologize. I didn't mean to cut you off. I know you but that that just seems like a little bit too harsh, right? I mean like if you think about money wise, in their mind, black people don't make up that much of the population, especially back in the day. Black people ain't have no money to go see these movies. These Star Treks and all these other shits that didn't have black people in it. But we did. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And like so to to your point, it's both. It's yeah, it was a it was a um we weren't considered, but then it was also like I don't want to I don't I don't want to give them too much credit for right. not being insidious. Because like they proved time and time again that they are, I believe that it it, it will uh, especially especially before now and even still now. But I feel that they will definitely make a point to exclude black people from things because yeah. they feel like they have a birthright to. And it's especially true <laughs> when you uh, when they do have like like a couple black characters. It was like one like black funny character mm-hmm. like, like, tokenism. Take um Power Rangers 
One of my childhood favorite shows. All right, now Zach was all the way black. He was, Zach was all the way black. No, he wasn't like. He, he could yeah, break dance. <laughs> he was the only character that had like a gun. Yeah, bro, he had like, like, he had like a little flat yeah, top. Like, yeah. Flat top, nigga had a, like a hatchet for a weapon. I don't mm-hmm. know how black that is. That but. doubled as a gun, though. But Zach was. <laughs> yeah. Zach they actually had like a whole episode dedicated to Zach. It's one, the only one I have on VHS. This mm-hmm. is my favorite episode. <laughs> But like, which episode is this? The one where it's like there's like a body double. There's, they all have doubles or no, something. No, no, it was like Putty Trouble. Like uh, <laughs> that's the like, name of the episode. Putty I think Trouble? it was called Putty Trouble. I <laughs> wouldn't be surprised if I remember the shit. But like a bunch of putties were like mimicking his real friends, and like he noticed something was off. Just went to school. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinking weird. Huh? It was, they was treating him right. He was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't say he's coming, nigger today. Like, what's going on? Um, but like, he's which is dope, but it's like, yeah, because I think it's just he's a popular character, mm-hmm. but at the same time, every single Red Ranger has been that white, all-American, mm-hmm. buff, buff quarterback, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying? The jock. Even the, the strong anti-hero, like Green Ranger, mm-hmm. well, I don't know if you remember, the Gold Ranger had to be like some white dude, too, so it's like... <laughs> the Green Ranger was the only one I could, the Green and the White Ranger. Wait, what, there's a Gold Ranger? That was a gold ranger for a hot second, yeah. In Mighty Morphin Power Ranger? Not Mighty Morphin. It was a, oh, it was a Geo. I the think. rest of that don't count, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Alien Rangers. How old how how old are you? I'm twenty nine. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's right here with us. Yeah. <laughs> You don't count. Mighty Morphin. Mighty Morphin. It, it ends for me after that. After the uh, the movie where uh, Ivan Ooze was telling me. That was damn right there. That's it. Yeah. You watch that shit as a grown human. Mm-hmm. That shit is still it. That shit still it. <laughs> I, I watched it. Uh, I watched it not too long ago. But yeah, Ivan Ooze was selling lean to all they parents. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, like after that, it kind of like it started getting into all the other stuff. Okay, that had the Ninja Ranger, so I guess I guess you. Yeah, and yeah, you know, yeah, they had the they had the the Ninjetti and all that. That was that was cool, but after that, it was just like it's not it's not the original cast anymore. Like, you know, I don't yeah. think I don't know how many of the original writers were like involved in. Know. You know, and then, but then honestly, the, it was a grown up thing too. I was like, oh, fuck that shit. It's like for kids, whatever. whatever. <laughs> so like, you know. I'm, no, I moved on I, other things. It's true. I cut it off at Turbo. Turbo, dude. That Turbo movie came out. I was like, I'm a little dry. Did you see the new one though? We did. Ooh, that new one was good. It was. I was a yeah, big was fan. Did we go to movies? And we I didn't go to movies. Like, I'm. So I'm thinking the next one's gonna be better because it felt like a very much a let's start this like series of Power Rangers mm-hmm. movies. So they had the whole only because my only fault with it was. Wasn't a whole lot of Power Rangers to the end. Yeah, they spent like a whole like, hour building <laughs> the backstory, and it was just they like, did. man, y'all could have y'all could have condensed that. In a yeah. way. it was too much, too much other stuff. They spent way too much time, like, and then like mastering. He's so passionate about it. They spent way too much time with that, and it's just like, oh, the movie bottomed out. I had to like start back up again, and the whole back and forth with them finding their powers and all that. And it then, was cool. It was cool representation, though. It like, was. It had that, Billy. That was he was a black kid. And he's on the spectrum. And he was the only true like. Yeah, he was like super nerd. Yeah, he was on the spectrum of what? The autism like, spectrum. Autism. Huh? He's he's on the autistic spectrum. Really? Mm-hmm. He says it in the movie. I don't remember that part. I feel like I remember that. So that was cool. It had me black women in it, though. So, yeah, you know. It's like, yeah, y'all got a smart black dude. That's that's. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> yeah and then, you know, this you know, it's more that, you know, the tokenism. But, yeah. I go, bro. yeah. <laughs> if I throw everything away, like, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> 
what inspires you when you create new um, pieces? Like, what inspires you as far as like just getting new concepts, new ideas? Because you be having some out of out of this world type shit. Like, I don't know if you use like substances that like inspire you, or if it's just your brain just goes somewhere else. <laughs> but like, what what gets you like a new idea? Um, <laughs> I mean, it's really it's my own spiritual practices mm-hmm. and um, the ways that I do work for my ancestors and just you know just interact uh, interact there and that 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 pushes me and leads me to make a particular statement and then you know I mean, just my my own experiences yeah I um actually I'm a I'm a big proponent for plant medicine mm-hmm. um you know the psychedelics and what that can do for humanity and how that can um you know how that can heal people heal the mind and the body um so you know i've been lucky enough to be able to sit in ceremonies and you know with you know real shamans who you know have been studying this you know all their life ancient ancient plant medicine mm-hmm. and um you know I've, experiences that i've had there you know end up coming into uh, into my artwork, um, I, you know, paying homage to the spirits that that visited me, or you know, I was able to visit during then, and the the healing I've received, and the healing I wish to share with others, and you know, encourage people to you know see the symbols and you know allow the symbols that I put in my art to work for them, mm-hmm. and you know, start to study as well as we have such a rich history of you know just just true spiritual profundity. That I mean, and it's for us, right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's specifically for us. Um, you know, it was created by us and it's been maintained by us, and you know, it has a place in the future as well. Right. Um, you know, and there's so much that we can, you know, so when you start, you know, there's so much healing we can do. So it's really like, you know, once you really get into it and understand and start putting yourself in these, um, are putting yourself like just in the mindset and interacting with that kind of energy and those kind of spirits and everything, mm-hmm. you, you start to see our, you know, our transition from, you know, the motherland into the new world, you know, through, you know, through a different lens, you know, you see a lot of, uh, you see, you see a lot of, of, I guess, of, of hidden power and tradition that we kept and that's exactly how you know we we were able to carry our traditions from there to here and there's things that we still do now to this day that stem back you know hundreds and not thousands of years and you know you know you know ancient west and central african traditions for instance um one of my last shows the show we did at City Gallery in Charleston last year during Moja Festival was called Libation. And um, if you don't, for, for those of you that don't know, Libation is the act of offering alcohol to your ancestors. So, you know, in most um, in most traditional African religious practices, you know, there's the there's the the act of, you know, giving you know, giving alcohol, giving spirits, whether it's, you know, a certain type of wine or, right. you know, and a lot of, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, literally, literally that, yeah. like, we pour out 40s for our homies because, you know, in, you know, in Santeria and, and, and Lukumi and, and Voodoo and, and Hoodoo, like, you know, we, we, we're giving, we're giving blessings to our ancestors with, you know, with rum or with whatever the drink was, yeah. um, you know, and that awakes the spirits, like, 
out like that liquor is called spirits <laughs> for right. a reason. Like, right. you know, we've all and then you see it other places too, like communion is that's wine, you know, like in so many different you know, so many different ways we're still carrying over, you know, our traditions into you know, into places that don't even seem like there is, you know, there's an ancient tradition, you know, there's an ancient practice taking place when it's niggas, you know, remembering their fallen homies pouring out liquor. You know what I'm saying? Pouring out more liquor for them. Right. You know, that's that's a that's a real thing. So, you know, libation was kinda was was kinda based on that, you know, and I put a lot of that into my art. Um, you know, and you know, in hip hop culture, you know, especially there's a lot of things that, you know, that that carry over. Sure. So like with that, um, especially like after Black Panther came out, it was like, well, it's been going on for a few years, but after Black Panther came out, people were saying like you should trace your roots. Mm-hmm. You know, not just seeing where you, not just seeing, you know, if you're composed of white, Spanish, you know, this, that, and the third, but we should do the Af- actual, you know, African ancestry. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So how important is that to you to, you know, you say you, you know, give, uh, you know, you, you do things for your ancestors and your art, you know, is influenced by your ancestors and things like that. Mm-hmm. How important is, how important do you think it is for us to actually not just celebrate our ancestors in, you know, just them being our ancestors, but actually, Connect and find those actual roots through, you know, whatever means you decide mm-hmm. to do it. Um, it's very important, I think, because I feel like so much of our plight was from from seem from us seeming to have been cut off from our ethnic heritage. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you you tried to. You know, and I, I experienced this myself actually doing, um, you know, doing the, uh, I think I did like the Ancestry test and got my readout. And, you know, uh, you can get your, uh, they'll do your DNA read. And it's like, those things aren't the, the most accurate um, for a certain reason. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. It, it, they're not the most accurate because they can really only trace one particular like path. Like, you know, we... You know, all your your ancestors double up every generation. So we have two parents and four grandparents and eight grandparents and sixteen great great grandparents. They can only really follow one path, mm-hmm. so they can't really give you a full idea of who was who and whatever. But for what they do, you know what they what they can give you. I mean that that's more than what we had before. Yeah. You know, we try to you know we try to trace our ancestry back, and I mean it's a dead end. At the early 1900s, or you know the the 1800s, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, you know the most you the most you you could you most you had was like yeah your 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 the family's last names, which were you know the slave owners' names, and maybe you could find information about them to find out more about where you came from. But like there's a deliberate um, there's a deliberate um, uh, removal of our cultural identities. Um, you know, they, they intentionally split up, you know, they would take in tribes and, you know, there are people from a certain region or a certain tribe and we get split up, we get sold off here, there, whatever, whatever. Um, and that's, what's interesting about, you know, some, uh, some of the diasporic traditions. So if you look at, uh, if you look at, uh, like Santeria, for instance, uh, Santeria is literally just like new world like New World Ifa, like they they took the practice of Orisha worship from Ifa, which came from uh, the Yoruba people of Nigeria, and it's 
literally it's the same thing, but it's it's ephod practice with uh like Catholic synch- uh, syncreticism. I don't know if I said that word right. Syncreticism. Yeah, it was, it was made syncretic. So, you know, they use the Catholic saints as, you know, they use Catholic saints almost as a cover to continue to worship, um, to continue to, uh, to worship the Orisha, to worship the, the pantheon of gods and spirits from, you know, from E5, from, you know, the old world, um, mm-hmm. from the motherland. So, you know, that's that's just one example. Um, you know, like Paulo Mayobe came from the Congo and was brought over here. The 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 reason why uh, Ifa was able to do what they did, most of the Yoruba people, most of the Yoruba slaves came to Cuba, and that's pretty much where it was where it was founded. Um, and it was you know a lot of them uh, were able to stay because you know it's an island, like mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't so much more tribal compared to you know a lot of us that hit the mainland and you know got dispersed from all the way from really the entire country like they try yeah. try to paint the idea that oh slavery was just contained to you know from texas to virginia but no we were everywhere like you know um so you know it became just a lot you know a lot more mixing they intentionally stripped us of our our uh, cultural practices like we couldn't have our drums we weren't allowed to even congregate so we had to do a lot of things in secret and then so one of the only places we were allowed to congregate was the church and that's why um, you know particularly like you look at hoodoo and you look at a lot of our old southern black Baptists and Episcopalian and Lutheran like practices and AME and all that stuff there, that's actually like one of the last bastions, well not last, but like one of the bastions of ancient black traditions, ancient like African traditions carried over and preserved in the ways that we um, engage with spirit. The ring shouts and, you know, understanding how like rhythm and drums drive the spiritual experience and, you know, music and, you know, like the pastors that, you know, really like that can, you know, channel and bring down the spirit and push that into the congregation and create this whole like this epic experience of, of spirituality we were doing that that's exactly what it you know what it, what it looked like when we were you know in the motherland like doing this in our you know in our in our villages like doing this in our in our own sacred spaces right. you know so right. that's, that's, that's the cultivated part of the show man like that's what we got you on here how is the ignorant about twerking and shit also has roots in, <laughs> in traditional African practices. Like, I don't go into that. Already. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's bring it home. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's connect. <laughs> oh, um, go ahead, go ahead. I was actually so um with the I guess so you already touched on like how the research is like black power. Like, this is before the show started, but we were talking about how everyone's like not all of a sudden pro black, but since the Trayvon Martin killing. Everyone's kind of found their blackness like at an all-time high right now as far as mm-hmm. my generation. Um, I was looking at the same thing with Afrofuturism, with everybody kind of jumping on board the train with Black Panther, uh, with it rising in the art community and all that good stuff. Uh, do you feel like it's for the best, or do you see like the community kind of getting watered down, like being like a poet? Like a lot, of, I hear a lot of poets who've been doing this like for a living. Mm-hmm. Say like the poetry community is getting worked around because anybody can get on the mic mm-hmm. and do whatever, which I'm all for. I think you should be able to at least try. But do you feel like there's too many people jumping on board the Afrofuturism train? Um, nah, because the more black people are engaging in creativity, the better. Like that is, 
I mean, that's who we are. We are creatives. Like we create beauty. We create life. We create art. We create. Mm. We create. <laughs> just period. <laughs> so the more the more of us, you know, are getting involved into it, I think it can only be for the better. And you know, there's always there's always levels to everything. There's an entry level. There's a fledgling level of engagement that yeah. people will have. You know, in you know in the arts. And, you know, but I mean, there's there there are us who yeah we've been doing it for you know so long. There's always going to be a, a a level of I guess you know of expertise, and I don't want to say like elitism, but that, I mean that's a thing. So say, yeah. you know, I I mean yeah, maybe it does feel like you know a uh, uh, more casual I guess pedestrian mm-hmm. involvement kind of waters it down for everybody. But I mean, I see beauty in that because at some point I was that kid, like you know, and I have to start somewhere. Yeah, you know, we all have to start somewhere, and you know, I mean, I remember like I used to, I used to manage like rap artists. We had like a whole little you know thing going uh, here in Columbia years back, and I remember us, you know, thought we was gonna take over the rap game at this. (laughs) Little, you know, showcase where we, you know, somebody had to pay $15 to get seven minutes on stage with 30 other rappers in one night. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's like um, the bar exam. Yeah. Huh? It's not like the bar exam. What's that? It's like this competition pretty much like that. Oh, yeah. People just have to get on. Well, actually, anybody can get on the mic. $15 for seven minutes ain't bad, though. Yeah. I would never. <laughs> I would never, I would never, but see, that's, that's the thing too that, you know, uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of black artists and black, black creatives have to, um, have to contend with is people who are going out of their way to just make money off of artists yeah. instead of finding ways to cultivate creativity and, uh, and give back to artists because, you know, and, make it easier for them because I mean creating isn't is creating can be hard is it Man, it is hard, hard. I'm it's telling you it's a whole it's a whole thing and I guess that uh I guess particularly it's a really western way in which we we uh perceive art and artists and creativity because everything just seems like a, a product to consume I would say it's a western way and that's also just a way of people who aren't creatives mm-hmm. seeing that like seeing the potential of something either something being like the new wave mm-hmm. or oh, becoming the new yeah. wave yeah. so they just try to profit off it mm-hmm. and they figure like artists y'all gonna be creating anyway so mm-hmm. like why not let me use it for da 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 yeah you know and it leaves, it leaves a lot of us out in the cold you know and it's just yeah. like yeah you know it seems like oh okay somebody has to you know they can pay me $15 and you, or whatever pay me whatever and you go get to perform you know seven minutes worth of song but that's seven minutes worth of song like how much time actually went into recording that exactly. so you know so I think that people you know a lot of times look at you know our creative output solely as their own experience right. and don't don't quite realize how much went into that. So for me to so just like anything, yeah, you, you know, don't want to so, put the work in. They just yeah. So you know, like for you to for you to experience this three minute bop, do you know how much time went into creating this? Where uh, through writing the song, through producing the the instrumentals, to actually recording it, the mixing, the master, all the paperwork that had to go behind you know, getting everything copyrighted and published properly and then account for the artist expertise and the years it took for them to get to that point, you know, and everything that goes into that, you know, and the same thing can be said for fine art where, 
okay, you're viewing this piece on the wall, mm-hmm. but you know, do you know how much went into me getting to the, like everything that culminated to me getting to this point of having this piece of art on the wall? So that's why I want, <laughs> you know, five hundred to right. five thousand dollars for this piece of art because you know, and it holds value, right. you know, and um, I think a lot of people don't realize or uh, and they don't want to accept the value because it just seems consumable. It just seems like something you just go down real quick, you know. Especially when I look at the um. I'm not sure what you exact name of it. When you um, collage art, mm-hmm. you do it in like as physically, mm-hmm. yeah, cut the cut paste. Yeah. When I see how much um, work you put into it, um, of course I'm the Renee Cox exhibit. Mm-hmm. That does say how in the world does a human being do this mm-hmm. and not jump off a building somewhere? And like, <laughs> but it's like so intricate. I wish I should hit you up. Well, I saw I saw his stuff on his website. And mm-hmm. I assume that's the same thing. Yeah. You're saying, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, some of the stuff is long. And yeah, I, mean, I just started taking that. Um, that's that that next step of doing cut and paste recently. I want to say Libation was my first show. And that was, yeah, the last year at the Mojo Fest. was the first now, time I actually showed cut and paste. What do you know? What was your, uh, what is it called? Medium? What, yeah. What was it before? Before it was just digital collage. So what I would do before is that I would just, I would use, uh, photo editing software to cut out these images and you know alter them how I want to and arrange them in space and I can just print that out um, okay so what I started doing was doing that same thing but before I would print it out I would are you familiar with like the way like Photoshop works like yeah. you have things in layers and you yeah, just kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. you know put something in front of something or whatever cut mm-hmm. around it so like, I would do all of that and then expand it all and spread it all out then print that out cut that back out and put it back together again mm-hmm. you know and you know which is which is dope because uh you know collage like traditional uh, cut and paste collage where you're working with only found images you're limited to the size of what you find and mm-hmm. you know most images come to us via publication that doesn't exceed like i think at one point you know we're, we we had like maybe life magazines was maybe one of the largest publications mm-hmm. as far as images go so like pieces were only really getting, you know, you were getting images but this big, right. you know, and unless you just used a lot of images to really expand and, you know, you were limited by size and you're limited by what you had on hand and, mm-hmm. you know, you can only do but so much. So, like, with um, with digital, with doing the process digitally, I can take it, I can take something and just flip it in so many different ways and then take that and scale it up and, you know, make a mural. <laughs> that is, you know, or something that's mural size. You saw like the the scale of Renee's work was just right. that was mind blowing. And we really got got up on it. Like, that's Yo, what I'm saying. All these little dudes are like cut out. Like, like, yeah, man, Renee blew blew me away. <laughs> she blew the whole city away. I think anybody who looks at her work has got to be blown away. Cause Absolutely, absolutely, bro. a true genius in what she does. I hope. To be on that level, <laughs> I mean, you're destined for it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't see nothing but that exact like. Like I said, y'all just make my mind bend, man. Mm-hmm. So based off of what you're saying, and based off of the the prices I saw on the website, <laughs> <laughs> was I ain't got another, bro. I, I can't spend a dollar on there. <laughs> um, but the the artwork is very dope. Um, stop. Do you feel like um? Do you feel like high prices like that, like kind of exclude black people? We're, I'm leaning into your question. Anyway. Um, high, high prices like that, or you know, at what you value your art at, you think it excludes 
black patrons, just like, uh, just like, you know, I've heard many comedians say this and, uh, you know, many different artists say this, that like, you know, once you get to a certain level, you have to increase your price. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, sometimes that prices your own people out of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's kind of happened with you or? Um, not at all. 90% of my, um, of my patronage is black or black people. But it's always been that. I mean, and you can, I mean, we look at, like, I, I think that the, the myth of that black people don't have money is, um, or black people don't appreciate art or can't appreciate art or can't, you know, buy art. I think that it's something that we have to start, uh, we have to start moving away from because even though, like, and I'm not, I'm not going to say that there is a disparity in wealth between, you know, from, you know, black, you know, black Americans, black people and the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also don't use, white people white culture or, or, or non-black people as a metric anymore either um yeah. so yeah so no it hasn't um you know you look at i mean you you, you watch empire um you know the show you, you watch you watch empire it's a show that you know a show directed by a black artist and you know I, I can assume i don't know all their you know all their credentials but i mean there's uh, um, I know there's black people on staff. I don't know how much, like, how many black people are in set design, but all that to say, in episodes of Empire, there's paintings by uh, Kehinde Wiley on the wall in their home, in their homes, you know. So, you know that is the idea that you know, and yeah, it's just a show, or whatever. But the idea that of affluent, um, you know, black people will buy black art. That's that's there. Like they 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 got that. I don't, whether it was commissioned or they bought something that was already done. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a Basquiat just sold for like I think it was the most expensive piece of art ever sold, like mm-hmm. eighty million or something. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that's like you know, like <laughs> and that might be one of those things that you know you might not even see that until after you're dead as an artist. Um, <laughs> you know, and which is you know which kind of which kind of sucks because it's like it's one of those things where you know the the whole idea of people don't want to give you a roses while you're still here. Yeah. It's it's the fact that you're dead and can't create anymore that that's drives it, right? the value up because yeah, they're right. like, oh wow, now there's only so many pieces. Right. So <laughs> the people who want to own that art now. Are willing to pay you know so much more for it because ain't no more coming out you know unless somebody discovers something um like so that's, that's part of like human nature where you just take shit for granted man like, yeah you just take for granted when you get a great new mind mm-hmm. who's like out here popping yeah, I don't know what it is about your brain, but you just figured it's gonna be here forever because you just so in in the moment yeah you just like so yeah I think that um I think that yeah uh. Art is like art. I, like I always strive to make my art accessible mm-hmm. to black people as much as possible. But you know, I'm not gonna. I, I can't. I can't devalue. Like I don't say devalue my work. You can always find a way to support an artist that you like, mm-hmm. um, if that's what you really want to do. If you really want to support an artist um, because you like what they do, you like what they put out, there are way there are ways to support them. Where the you know and yeah, like okay, like buying an original piece is like one of the like the, the penultimate ways to support an artist. <laughs> but you know, there are also you know you can also get prints. 
<laughs> you yeah, know, friends, you can get, get friends. Buttons. Like, you know, there there are other things, and you know, I um, I know I I should do a better job at making um, things more accessible. Because um, you know, I I had that for a while. I had a you know a store. Where I had you know a Society Six where you can get mugs and coasters and pillows and so on and so forth. But I kind of stepped away. I stepped away from that for a while, and um, I was just focusing on my on my gallery. Uh, doing my gallery collections but you know i'm gonna bring that back but when i do (laughs) you know i hope that those things will you know i hope those things will will you know people will jump on it you know because i still have i still got posters in my (laughs) in my closet that i was just like man i don't don't even really rock with that art anymore so i'm not trying to push them because you know this is stuff from you know almost seven years ago that i don't even you know i don't even i don't even remember what i was talking about this stuff that was So, uh, just out of curiosity, um, just real quick, do you live solely off your art, or do you have you found art to be a sustainable life, a sustainable career choice? Um, yeah, I have, and you know, luckily with the uh, with the the wisdom I get from you know some of my you know people I consider to be my OGs, and you know, in art, I'm learning more and more every day how to create a more sustainable life. For my art, because you know, I because there's there's the art that I do, which is you know stuff that's you know that's shown in like galleries and stuff that I really you know I put out there and represent myself with, and then I also am a graphic designer. So um, okay, so you know, and for what it's worth, yeah, I've been eating more as a graphic designer <laughs> than an artist, yeah. but you know, be, being able to do both and diversifying what I have to offer sure. is you know is part of what makes things uh what makes it more sustainable. Um, and just like it, knowing how to play the game, knowing how to find funding for things I want to do, um, you know, that's a whole that's a job in it itself. Um, and I still work part time, you know, uh, I work part time, you know, in doing art still, too. Like I work part time at Michael's in the framing department, which is still mm-hmm. engaging in art and, yeah, right. you know, and get, you know, and even engaging with other artists and, you know, crafters and stuff, which is fun. Um, you know, that's, I mean, most artists that I know have some kind of, some other kind of gig, but, you know, for the, for the most, and that's just recent, but for the most part, yeah, it's been sustainable for me and it will continue to be sustainable, but, um, it is hard. It is hard to do. It is, um, it is hard. It's hard. And like, you need to get this message real quick. Yeah. And I'm saying that for, you know, for aspiring, you know, artists who want to take that leap and, you know, really put, you know, like, you know, drop old obligations to be able to give more of themselves to their art. Um, so understand I'm that it like it's a grind. It's a it's a grind, and um, there there may be some days where you know you just learn to go without. But that's part of I think what what being a creative really is is that you know I create like this, this is the art that I put out, but I am using my creativity and my talents every day and even the more mundane things to make sure all my needs are met, you know? And and then also, you know, having, having a community and being able to rely on that community and we all take care of each other. So, you know, um, you know, those of us that have will find ways to give some of that to those that don't have and, you know, put up, you know, get opportunities on. So the more I build, you know, doing what I do now, I can, I have access to this many uh, resources. Now I can, dole those out to you know people yeah. who haven't got to where I've gotten and I have you know people doing that for me you know you so it all like kind of 
great success doing that in Colombia. Um, yeah. A lot of people shit on Colombia. like yeah, but nah, Colombia, man, <laughs> Colombia is where it's at. Colombia is really is really growing. I've I've you know been able to network. Colombia is where it's at. I mean, Colombia, it, it, but it depends on it's Colombia. Like most places, is a place where you don't get out what you put in, um, and it's and it's it's a it's a networking thing. But I mean, like South Carolina, like they there's money for artists. Hey. You just got to know how to get it. You know? I will say, like, if you display like when your name gets swamped, like kind of thrown around enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you start, like you said, connecting, networking more than anything. Yeah. Um, black consumers as well, but there's a lot of white, like, platforms mm-hmm. who are looking, and this might be the kind of profit off your, you know, stuff or whatever, but they are looking for the stuff that you have a lot, half the time. Mm-hmm. So when they see that you're good at it, a lot of them will just give you the platform for free. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I've gotten several venues for free because mm-hmm. they were looking for a spoken word artist. They didn't just want poets. Which is, you know, there's nothing wrong with this, but just get up there and just read a piece of paper mm-hmm. and share. They want a spoken word like beast. Mm-hmm. And like, if you can do that, like, they'll pay you and give you the platform. So, yeah. I think, I think the only thing about Columbia, you can give your opinion on this, is like, it seems like there's a glass ceiling in a way of like, you can only achieve but so much success in this city and stay here mm-hmm. and be consistently, I guess. Get to the point where you can only eat off your your art completely. Like yeah, and um, you know, for what it's worth, like I don't I don't know of anybody who who just refuses to leave Columbia. Like <laughs> I mean, we're gonna like we're gonna go where we're called. Like right, you know, right. as far as artists, like you know, stuff. So I mean, so like I I don't feel like I have to like leave Columbia right now. But I mean, from Columbia, South Carolina, I have art showing in Rotterdam. Right now, I've done, you know, I have art circulating in in uh, uh, publications in Holland right. right now. Like, I know so, people who, you know, they live in Colombia and they fly to Barcelona to do a mural, you know, or, you know, and then come back home or like, or whatever. So, and, you know, a lot of that's you know, because of the internet, of course. Um, right. I don't think Colombia is in the place yet to be like a tastemaker. No. Um, you know, for a, a national or international or a global scene, mm-hmm. but um, you know, I think, but I think there there are opportunities for people to be able to learn uh, how to do how to uh, how to share their art with the world um, and meet people who have a, a broader range of access to the resources that they need. And mm-hmm. I mean, we we we've, we've been in digital age for what twenty. Years now, just about like there's, you know, and you know a lot of my, you know, a lot of my, uh, all my reach came, you know, all that stuff came from the internet. Like I found out about, you know, Afrofuturist Affair in, in Philly through the internet and reached out, and you know they uh, reciprocated, and you know that became a whole thing. And I have like a a, a small like family of people I can consider like a creative family, like in Philly and same in Detroit and. You know, uh, I know people who have that, you know, in Atlanta, in, you know, out uh, on the West Coast, in Oakland, in, you know, Bay Area, in L.A. Um, so I don't think that Columbia is a hindrance. I think that if anything, you know, you go, you can you can sharpen your your tools here. Right. Um, you know, you can sharpen your tools here, but there, you know, it, it's out there. You just got to know how to get it. And I think that. Uh, do we, there's a duty for artists that have figured it out 
to help those that haven't figured it out or trying to figure it out, um, you know, and how to find funding. And then once you do have funding, how to maximize it, you know, so that you can do the most, you know, do the most with it and get it out there. But I mean, there's a, uh, as an artist, you know, who not from here, but grew up here. Well, no, from South Carolina, grew up here. I don't know if y'all heard about, um, like Michaela, uh, Pilar Brown winning the art field competition and like they cut her a $50,000 check for her art and that all happened in here. You know, so like I said, it's here, you know, and, and, you know, and Michaela's, she's one of those people, um, who works tirelessly to make sure that, uh, that younger artists know how to act like know where to find money to keep doing their art mm-hmm. um you know she's been working she's worked with me um you know she and you know and we put we, we put things out there like you know they put stuff out there they just had a uh they just had a two-day seminar at se state talking about how to make a how to build and maintain a sustainable life for artists um yeah you know knowing how to you know really knowing how to do grants and like you know how to find grants and do that South Carolina Arts Commission they give you money for you know anything that's creative so Mm -hmm. anywhere from you know music fine art dance theater poetry uh, literary literary arts all of that stuff like there's money you know it's there you know and but this thing is that it's not gonna just like fall in our lap I think that um, you know especially um, you know stuff with you know with substance I think that a lot of times uh, artists can get discouraged when they see art with with not as much substance or you know stuff that's more you know like pop culture and just like you know things that are like more pop culture you know just kind of like get out there on the internet and you know, up, yeah. get you know, blow up and get millions of you know millions of views. But I mean, that's a story as old as time. Like, yeah. cats been rapping about that since rap was rap. You know, <laughs> and you know, it's always you know, it's always been that. But you know, I also find, um, you know, I f- I find a deep satisfaction in doing what I do for the reasons I do it, and because you know, I'll say it's like a particularly noble reason. It is, but you know, like I'm not you I'm know, trying to like loud myself on that fact, but you know, when you're doing the right thing and you're when you're doing the right thing and when you're helping people and helping heal your people, particularly like like you're like you're taken care of, you know, and that's part of the you know, that's part of the reason why I put so much of my ancestral veneration in the work, because a lot of it comes from that. You know, like I put on for them. Um you know, telling telling their stories and and bringing like you know bringing that medicine to them through our you know through through our spiritual practices mm-hmm. and you know there is a benefit to reap from that. So you know, <laughs> you know we already know we already understand the concept of guardian angels. Mm-hmm. We already know the concept of you know of of a loved one smiling down on us from the other mm-hmm. side. Like, what do you think that really means? And again, to go back to what we were talking about before, why are we really? Pouring out forties for our homies, right. like we understand the concept of, of of spirit being able to interact with us, yeah. you know. So we take that, you know, we take that seriously and really start st- like studying, you know, how do I really do that? Well, you know, we start putting on like our grandmas on the grandfathers and mm-hmm. aunts and uncles and cousins and brothers and sisters and parents and and you know good friends on the other side who are like you know they work for us and these are 
concepts who have been, that have been around for hundreds of thousands of years, right. and that's how we've endured, you know, and that's how we still thrive in the face of adversity that. Exactly. You know, otherwise would have wiped us out. <laughs> you know, would have wiped us out a long yeah, time we ago. Broken, gave up. Yeah. Rap. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. So, your boy. <laughs> Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick is my guy. Kendrick is everybody's guy. I feel like. Are you a Kendrick Lamar fan? Um. Yeah. Uh. I was. Uh, I was real heavy. I was Team K Dot for like when he dropped. Um, before that, what was the other one before oh, that? Um, I did, uh, Overly dedicated. dedicated. Yeah, yeah, man. I was rocking with K Dot back then, like real hard. I was kind of like I'm. I'm good on it now because of where he like where he's taking like I guess not really where he's gone creatively, but I mean, yeah, he's made some questionable decisions and of course questionable decisions like content wise. (laughs) Where I'm just kind of like, oh, what do you mean? I mean, I don't know. Like, well, I do know <laughs> exactly why I was like, man, Kendrick, are you kind of going, you know, you kind of going too too far in one direction? But like, he was like, a lot of his a lot of his politics are based in respectability, and I don't think that that really gets us anywhere moving um, forward. Um, and then like he's like going on the whole like, you know, don't call me black no more, I'm an Israelite and then understanding, like studying like, you know, and knowing their politics and like uh there's some things that I just can't really like Some stuff is just cringe worthy to you. Yeah, it makes me cringe and it's just like, yo, that's not but at the same time, you know, it's important to understand that black people, we're we're not a monolith. We don't all have to believe the same exact thing. Nah, but at the same time, there's there's a line. There is you a know, line. he's he's flirting with that line. So I'm kind of just he was like, even serious about the Israelite thing. I thought he was just like I thought he thought it would be like a good like sound snippet on the album, mm-hmm. on the damn album. He had that whole thing with the dude talking about, you know, weird children and all that stuff. Yeah. And I think he he thought it would be like like you know, just the same way he came with the Some um, fake deep sound and shit. That, like, oh, I think man, Kendrick is like, deep. I think his fans make him fake deep. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like Kendrick is a deep thinker. Yeah, and he talks about a lot of stuff that like somebody his age just wouldn't be talking about right now. Yeah, that's the deep aspect. I think his fans come along and be like, when Kendrick said this, he was referring to all this. Like when he came up with the, with the um. Niggas online, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden, like niggas know everything yeah, about English. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I think he was just like, no, nah, it's just some real shit. Like, just change the language, and like his fan base, kind of like J Cole fans almost. Like, just Bro, no. this a whole nother. Don't ever, don't ever compare. I won't. I'm but yeah, but see, that's the that's what I mean by like the respectability thing, where it's just like. I feel like a lot of his like he even said it at the uh, at the end of uh, Black and the Berry, and he was just like. um or the whole the whole point of how can we expect the police or white people to respect us if we don't respect ourselves, and like Which I thought that sounds more about him personally. Yeah, but at the same time, like when you are it, like there is a responsibility that comes like with being a with being a creative. Like you, whether you want it or not, if you get to a you get to a certain level, you become a voice of a generation, and I think that you owe it to the people that you're you know you're representing and the people you're speaking to and speaking for to to uh to put the concepts out there that aren't moving us 
Ito. They're throwing you in his back. You know, are like moving us in a in a in a in a way in a in a in a realm that's that's proven to be a detriment to us. So like the whole idea of like if you don't respect yourself, then they won't respect you. But some of the most respectable, you know, respectable uh men and women and and just people, black people you know, in these movements have all been murdered by the state. Right. <laughs> you know, so like Dr. Martin Luther King wore a suit, didn't sag his pants, spoke <laughs> clear, probably didn't call, like, I don't know if he did or not, probably didn't call people yeah. niggas. Like, you know, all of those things, like he was, like Martin Luther King was like the, the, the paragon of respectability for white people maybe cutting, that's the truth because white people love to bring up Martin Luther King and say, oh, Dr. King wouldn't have said this or done or died for this or whatever, whatever. Right, but they still right. killed oh him right. they still killed him then laid his black ass in the state <laughs> and tried to, you know, and try to make it seem like, oh, this 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 happening didn't have anything to do with this uh um, anything to do with uh, you know like the government or like whatever but like it's all the same ma- the the machine of like a white patriarchal society right. you know doing what it does to black people like wanting to eradicate black people mm-hmm. so yeah so you know in 2018 we didn't learn like you know we know better now we know that it doesn't matter how 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 well you clean up and present yourself. There's yeah. and, and that's kind of where you know Jay Z kind of came and was like, "Well, still nigga, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. all of that, all of that respectability doesn't matter. They're still gonna see you as that. So don't bend over backwards and, and try to break your neck trying to fit their idea of respectability because for the most, for what is worth, like their ideas of, of of what is respectable ain't even respectable. No, you know, it's just homogenized whiteness. Like, you know, and it's like, ain't no flavor there. There ain't no actual morality there. It's just, you know, it's just them trying to just just strip everything. They want to be comfortable. Yeah. Therefore, we got to do whatever we got to do to make them comfortable. Mm -hmm. Even if we protest, we have to be a a comfortable protest. (laughs) Yeah. At some point, I want to get to this topic. What's that? Oh, (laughs) good. We went off on some weird. Bro, we talking real shit. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyways, going back all the way back to Kendrick Lamar. Um, so recently there's a, there's a clip out of, uh, he let this girl come on stage, rap the words to, uh, what was it? Mad City. Yeah, Mad City. Mm-hmm. Girl starts rapping. White girl. I, I gotta put that in there. White girl. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like before you even ask, yeah. yes, she is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she started saying every N book, every N word. In the song, so he's like, "Oh, ho, ho, ho. what you doing, bitch?" <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Ho, ho, ho." Um, the one thing I ask of you is uh, that you that you don't say the n word. So some people were saying he set the girl up, this, that, and the third. He knew what he was doing. Because I'm sure you're familiar with Matt City. Like yeah. Oh no, I saw it. I saw a clip. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole thing, yeah. I was present for it. Um. And a lot of people try to like try to put like they try to put like this blame on Kendrick for either setting her up or like whatever, whatever. My question is, why is this white girl so comfortable saying nigga in the first place? Because she was so she was in her element even at a Kendrick Lamar because because even white people think if it's in the song, it's in the song, they cool. That's making an excuse for that. They feel comfortable saying it. Why do they feel so comfortable saying it? 
Well, see, so because he ain't gonna call us niggas regardless. Well, I mean that's that, but also, also like, so I hate it. Like one of my homegirls, she's white. We posted this shit on her page, and she's like country white. Like she's not racist at all herself. But she was like that, like white confusion of like, what are you guys' opinion? Because I don't want to, you know, offend anybody. (laughs) But like, I mean, should he? If you didn't want her to say it, should he even be in the song? Like, why did he get her on the stage in the first place? What are you guys' opinion? I knew her whole white fan base, not fan base, but white, white friends are going to come ask the question. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, she's got me and like 10 other black friends. Mm-hmm. Like, cause she's from, um, what is it, Winterall, like deep in the country. So it was like, the main argument, of course, y'all had was if you don't want it in your song, it means sorry, if you don't want people singing your song, then don't put certain words in your song. Or just don't. Call people nigga because we've been saying that. <laughs> we've been saying hey. that. Stop saying it. But she wasn't technically calling anybody nigga. She shouldn't have been saying it. Plain and simple. I think Kendrick kind of set her up a little so, bit. So, why do you think he set her up? Even why if he did, even if he, he did, even if he did, why is he wrong for it? I'm, well, I'm not saying he's necessarily wrong. I'm just saying he did it. He did okay, it. Okay, yeah, oh, and. <laughs> Like, hey, look, hey, he look. set her up hey, look, this is my to show, expose okay. her. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying, though. Like, Kendra Lamar set her up to expose her for being a racist as she is, likely being that comfortable saying nigga. But she's the one who that. said it. I and she agree. She shouldn't have. And I feel like, like, and white people know what nigga means. Right. There's yeah. not a white person on it, like in, in America that don't know what nigga means and know his history right. and know what they what they use it for. You know, and, and I, I get away from that whole like you know trying to you know the nigga versus the hard R and all of that. I like like nah, hard like R. white people no. know hard R. They know. I don't like nobody saying hard R. They know, and they did it anyways because she felt entitled to that. <clears throat> and it's just like Kendrick Lamar, like like <clears throat> when we when we say nigga in our music or whatever, we're saying it to us. For us, so that was the question I was kind of conveying into was just mm-hmm. as a successful, like a super successful main, black mainstream artist, mm-hmm. is it rational to think that you can make music only meant to be consumed by black people? Um, you can. That's a rational <laughs> like, Yeah, you still can. You always can. Like, yeah, you know. But it, I mean, it's like I mean, well, there, you can't. You cannot keep white people out of your shit. We learned that lesson in the fifteen hundreds. Right? There will always there will always be interloping, like interloping and attempting to appropriate our culture. So instead of trying to change the ways we create and share our culture with each other, just keep doing us. You know, and when the drag squad needs to come out and, and handle business. They will do that. <laughs> Which is true, but I think what you run into is like, so you just gonna do you anyway. Don't touch my hand. <laughs> you just gonna do you anyway. You just wanna touch my hand. Maybe you need to stop putting your shit in front of me. Like, <laughs> do it then, bitch. Do it. Oh, you call me bitch. Hey, hey, black on black violence, guys. No, no, no. What would Kendrick Lamar think? What would Kendrick think? What can I do? Um, I think you run into the like, so you, you just do you, mm-hmm. make you super black shit. Of course, a lot of white people gonna get the butt hurt, you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. it always seems like black liberation is equals white tears. Like, mm-hmm. people swerving down, like, pro blackness is anti white. Mm-hmm. So it's like, do you still have to, like, think about compromising your sound mm-hmm. or message? Because mm-hmm. the thing is, though, and, and, and here's the thing it's like in 2018, we're like, like, you think about how much, like, I, how much like power and like 
profound material is in the content of what's being shared and white people still like they're still their closest association to blackness is saying nigga and it's just like that's such a surface level like a, like a surface level way of like can we even know like we say nigga and it's deep for us because we understand the whole like we understand like we all of its parts, mm-hmm. you know. We understand the act of of, re, of, of reclaiming something. We understand, um, we we understand like the word and, and its effect and its impact and how it came to be and all that. We understand that and we still engage with it. It's so complex yeah. and it's very simple too. Where really it's simple because it's black people's business. Mind your damn business. So there is so there's, well, no, so there's. Let me get this clear. There's no situation where you think white people should be saying nigga. Uh, no. Why Why would they can just say N-word or not say it? Or, better yet, why? get out of our face. Why? And quit trying why? to be all up in our business. No, 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 no. <laughs> why? 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 Why, why, why do you allow white people to say nigga around you? I have not allowed white people to say Because well, first you're of all. Samuel Jackson and Django. That's why. <laughs> oh, no. It's not a new song, too. <laughs> <laughs> um... Well, first of all, we were friends like back in the day. Back in the day, now I had no, I had, I had, I had white friends that just say nigga, but I knew it wasn't like. Bro, stop looking at your gross ass lips. I knew it wasn't on some like racist shit. It was like they were trying to say nigga the same way I feel. Mm-hmm. So it was like I knew the way it came out because it, it never came out and called me a nigga like that. It was just like I walk in the room, they listen to some music, mm-hmm. like, nigga, that shit is fly. Mm-hmm. Nigga, nigga, no. and it don't even like, and it don't even like, it, they don't even say it right. They don't. It's, it's literally white people trying to just, it's literally just white people trying, however they can, to appropriate and take something from black culture because it's cool because they don't have anything of their own, like you know that they like to find pride in, which is so weird to me because it's just like. Y'all like oh god, so, this is gonna turn into something that is <laughs> a whole other thing. But I understand, right? <laughs> but I under I understand because like I'm not gonna sit here and act like oh I've always been like pro black and been getting it right like all my life. Like I we most of us grew up in that. Right. Most of us grew up thinking that it was okay because oh they're not saying it to be racist and blah right, blah blah. Right. But when you really understand the ways in which like white supremacy operates in a way and like how it trickles down to like so many different levels mm-hmm. and you really see it for what it is and like that is racist and like again it's like white people feel so comfortable saying it because they probably heard it in their homes a whole bunch and to them it might to, to the to the kid or whatever it might not be like oh well, this isn't racist but to their parents it probably very much was they probably only call black people niggas in their household you know what I'm saying? So like, and, and and their parents were, you know, Jim Crow era, you know, right. white folks, and before that. So it's like we're not so far removed from. I mean, we're we're not removed from it at all. Of of yeah. niggas being strung up in trees and making postcards. We yeah. had to look at Mike Brown's black ass body in the street for three motherfucking hours all over CNN and MSNBC and Fox News and like wherever else. Right. You know, like. It, so like we're we're not even removed from that. So like they're still operating the same ways that you know that that we look back and oh by, in, in the in the MAGA era of the America they want to make great again. Like <laughs> we still seeing it. Like you know so it's just like they they know 
And I, th- I think it's um, I think it's dishonest that they try to act like they don't because they do. And I don't give them any credit for them for for their <laughs> ignorance because like they're a lot more methodical in the things that they do. And even if they, like, even if there's a surface a surface level unawareness, that just kind of proves that they've been already been programmed to believe it's okay to call black people niggas or say nigga at all. Like why do we mean to say? It? Why can't you just let that word go? I think white people, the sad thing, so I got to, I've been having this theory for a long ass time, the little kind of white people superiority complex, which is whenever white people aren't, aren't included in something, mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, they feel like it's disrespect or they're like, it's competing on their power in some type of some way. Because mm-hmm. if you're white, you're like, you have some, some, you might not think you're better than white people, but you know that your race is treated better in general in this country. Like, you know that for a fact. Like, so you could very well just, Respect black people the same. You very well believe out equals, but it's something that comes with being white. Mm-hmm. So you're not used to being excluded from shit. Mm-hmm. So when you are excluded from something, it's like, oh no, we should all be excluded from that. Mm-hmm. So that's the main argument that comes up when you hit N word. Like I, I hear this argument one more time. As soon as this shit happened with Kendrick, the argument resurfaced all over the internet. Is it time to get rid of the N word? Mm-hmm. And it's like once again, y'all only asking this question because y'all can't use it. You're being actively like persecuted for it. Right. <laughs> that's the only reason. So it's like anytime that it's like you have a blacks only event or we just want people to call for so and so, people getting their feelings because they're so used to being included. And that's yeah. Really not even their fault. This is how this country treated them. And it's like that's their fault. I'm not going to well, say not that. Like, not the average white person is just living and just like been brainwashed or whatever. I'm talking about yes, white supremacy is fault. Mm-hmm. But the average white person who's not used to like being denied access, mm-hmm. they don't even know what they're feeling. Yeah, it's kind of like a spoiled child who finally gets told no by somebody. Yeah, I mean, you can you, 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 can, you can see it as that too. But I'm also not I, I'm I'm particularly not in the business of trying to like rationalize for <laughs> white people right. and, and give them space to like 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 the benefit of the doubt because it, <laughs> it's been long enough. <laughs> like it's been long enough. Like we don't have to keep trying to like you know like just like patty cake them through these hard life lessons. Like <laughs> one mistake, you know, right. you know, like one 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 innocent mistake, and you know, you're George Kenny or or uh, or uh, Emmett Till. Right. <laughs> you know, a lot of times you don't even have to make a mistake. You know, a lot of times you just be in the wrong place at the wrong time and black. <laughs> you know, so and then the worst happens. So right. I'm seeing the intolerance too. We want to move on, but I'm seeing the intolerance for like white ears at all time high right now. Like mm-hmm. you take like the Roseanne situation, like they're coming out a tweet, well, you and two hours later, it was gone. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like yeah, they they, they on super high alert right now. Yeah, so. good. Do we do that one? No, that's all okay. kind of goes to the okay. So, um, I mentioned uh, the Afrofuturism beyond the event that you were featured in as a panel panelist. Uh, you and a, just a ton of other amazing, amazing artists. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very dope event, a very good talk. It actually inspired me to write a poem right on the spot, like, um, after this particular incident happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a good panel because we just talked about Afrofuturism and shit, what inspired y'all, all this stuff. And then this uh, white audience member came up and came on the mic and was like, um, this, this question is basically to the effect of um, how do you make sure that you're, you know, you say true to your blackness and everything like that, but how do you make sure 
your message is still received by white audiences as well. Mm-hmm. Like how your message still you know resonates with everyone basically. And um, I was kind of wondering, uh, should you go out of your way as a black artist to make yourself kind of consumable by area? Which I think we kind of asked earlier. Mm-hmm. But like um, when it comes to like abstract art that's still black, mm-hmm. should you go out of your way if you hope to achieve like mass success? Should you go out of your way to make sure like white audiences at least get it? Um, no. <laughs> I don't want you to say exact answer that you get it. <laughs> no, no yeah. um, because the, the answer is no, and I also think that that's a um, like no is a complete sentence. No. Um, I think that no is enough. Right. You know, um, but I, I am gonna go into in the in the detail. <laughs> but I, that's one of the things too, where it's like you know, like black people or uh, white people just have a way of demanding energy and labor from you. Whether like they can't get physical labor out of you anymore without you know putting you in jail. Right. So now they they you know so in so many ways they find ways of getting uh of getting uh, emotional labor or intellectual labor out of you because now you can't just tell them no. I don't even know why not and try to <laughs> rationalize it. Now they want now now you got to explain and spend you know x amount of hours you know or, or however however much time there is you know right. breaking it down and explaining it and you know so on and it's 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 intellectual labor and it's yeah. it's dishonest. I feel because no is enough. And you know a lot. Of I how much of our experience, like being black people in America, were we just not allowed to have things, and we didn't, we never really knew why, so you know. And it's something we just learn to 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 deal with, you know. You don't go on that side of town. You don't go to that town after after you know a certain hour. You just don't hang out with those people. You. You know, make sure you know it, it be it be because and all of that because it was a it was a literal means of survival, right? You know, without you know a means of survival without you know having your child out here like just like paranoid, you know, right. it's like every second I think that oh yeah, literally at any given moment like I could be you know kidnapped and murdered or like sold into like some kind of traffic or whatever. But then that's still like a reality that that's real for a lot of us. You know, so I think that's when like a lot of white people believe that that's no more. Like mm-hmm. when you take white like class, well, when you say classes, public school class period. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, slavery is watered down a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole Jim Crow thing is watered down. That's all put as a past. Like mm-hmm. this was happening back then. Yeah, things are different now. Y'all can do what y'all want, mm-hmm. and it may be straight. Um, I think that's when you get into they just say like we need to forget about the past. We need to stop mm-hmm. living in the past. As soon as we bring up like you know, when we try to tell them like you know, it's not just that black people are poor. It's like a whole reason like you know, mm-hmm. black poverty exists the way it does, and they say stop living in the past. That just discounts all our arguments completely. So mm-hmm. they just want to look at like right now, and it's like everything's equal right now mm-hmm. because everything's equal right now in their minds anyway. Yeah, you should make content that we can accept as well and we can consume as well yeah that we can relate to as well yeah so the so the answer the answer is no and what i what i told him what i asked him uh, beyond i kind of he asked that question i was like why do you think you need to consume anything because you know really when you think about the act of consumption right. like what is the act of consumption consumption is literally taking something that was created 
destroying it and then turning it into waste. Okay. So why do white people feel that they need to consume black art? <laughs> like, why can't you like, you know, so like you can appreciate black art. So like, why do you need so so then I you know I would ask like why do you feel you need black art to include you or to to pander to you to be appreciated by you because right. then it's like because it's because the the question isn't even a it, it isn't about being able to consume or understand or appreciate is you just want to like you want to have it you want to own it you know. Um, so yeah, I was like, why do you why do you think you need to do that? If you uh, if you truly appreciate what it is that I do, then you can support it without understanding it. And there's you know right. and, and you know and I think that goes for anybody, you know, honestly. And, and so really, people, you know, you start seeing that people start using their presence and their involvement as a means of censorship. Right. You know, like you know, and I mean, you wow. see, it and it transcends. It's it trans. It, it's it's something that transcends just race, and it moves into every. I was um, about to say that. Yeah, every yeah. other like like when there's a uh, any other like type like way like means of like oppressing a class or a type of person. So in the same way that you know men try to you know degrade things that like women are into That's or exactly things that women do or things that are exclusive to not necessarily exclusive to women, but things that are traditionally seen as white things for women or feminine things. Because it doesn't have anything to do with us. Right. Because, you know, and so it's like, so we try to like, oh, that's just for blah, blah, blah. We try to like, you know, like discount that because it's not for, you know, it's not it for men or straight people for, you know, straight people looking at things that queer people do right. and wondering why, um, you know, why this doesn't pander to whatever, you know, sense of, you know, uh, like, you know, normative sensibility, like whatever. So, you know, I think that people... The people with privilege need to know when to just get out of the way and let live and just let people uh, let people have things that don't include them. We're just appreciated the shit is happening. Like that's what I don't mm-hmm. understand. Like I had um went to a book sign, I can't remember this lady's name, but I literally was at work and um just searching on Richmond Library's um event list. And it was a West Indian um author who was super popping. I cannot remember her name right now. But um super, super popping. And she was having a book time, like, right after I got up to work. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I want to just go check them out. Because I'm just trying to get to know authors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it was so much, like, West Indian culture in that building. You know? mm-hmm. like, they had a, a little house, and one of the rental houses in the Riverbanks Zoo. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, you would have thought it was, like, a little piece of, like, a whole other country, bro. Like, oh, it wow. was entirely different. It was just, like, them enjoying that culture. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, you had the, um, you know, white people that's, you know, kind of curating the thing. They had to wear the same garbs they were wearing. Mm-hmm. It's always been just kind of shut a little bit because, I don't know, I just... Yeah, <laughs> you know, know, I know, get that but, same visceral reaction when I see the white people with like, oh, here we go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the way they say the name of it, it was like, you know, that's not how you really, like, pronounce it right. Mm-hmm. But um, it was just like a little slight, and it's like all of them knew each other. Mm-hmm. All of them didn't know each other. Like, they just connected so um, perfectly. They had their food there. And it was like their slice of like life, and I could just like appreciate. It. I ain't had to like get on the mic and talk or nothing because mm. they had like a little like um, you know talk back part. Mm. I had to get on the mic and nothing. I ain't had to like you know I got to talk it off for a minute, but I ain't had to like pull my book out and like I just got to enjoy her shit. Yeah. And like I don't understand why you couldn't just do that. That's yeah. This is a beautiful thing to experience. Yeah. 
So, um, and you answered this a little bit earlier, but uh, is the stereotype uh, that black consumers is is the stereotype of black consumers not properly supporting black owned businesses still valid? And should it be? Yeah, my, my answer to that was no. Yeah, like because it's, it's one of those things too, where it's like, like, like I don't understand that myth. Uh, like, oh, black people don't support black businesses. Well, who else are these black people selling stuff to? Because they sell it, they certainly ain't selling it. Like you walk, you go, you go to any random like black owned shop on Broad River now, and I guarantee you, like a strong ninety eight percent of the patrons is black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like so, black people are definitely supporting black businesses. Like yeah. you know, um, and because I mean, yeah, like, we we do, and I think that I think that uh, that that trope or whatever that idea of you know well, why aren't black businesses on the level of like you know white enterprise and um for one you got to understand where a lot of these white companies got their start and got a lot of their wealth off the back of good old black like like they a lot of these companies um like a lot of these companies originally like were invested in slave trades and been around since the 1800s Got money from from taking from the exploiting slave labor, and then we're able to take that take that wealth and still exploit and 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 invest their money in things that in that exploit black people, poor people, and other marginalized people. Um, So to I feel like to look at like oh well why don't we have black banks that are on the level of like a Wells Fargo or you know Bank of America or or why don't we have you know why isn't there a, a black Nike or a black Apple or a black you know Dell or HP or whatever and it's because like what it takes for those companies to be so successful is like or compare like black shops to Walmart that's yeah. fucking nuts but it's like do you know what Walmart <laughs> does to people in order to have everyday low prices right like yo like it's it's, it's insane like you know, and it, for what it's worth, like, yeah, we're in a room surrounded with technology right now, but, like, there is literally blood on all of this, right. on this microphone, on that computer, on on that computer, like, on, on the phones that we use. Like, mm-hmm. there there is African blood in all of that, and when they have to mine those resources, the copper and the aluminum and the, and the zinc and the coltan and all that stuff that's needed to create these devices, right. like... It's off the backs of of like free and cheap like exploited labor, right. you know the sweatshops in, in which people are exploited to put these things together, right. and then like these industries thrive off of you know off of off of capitalism the way it's practiced in this country where you know somebody can can work forty hours a week and still not even afford you know things and who is that you know it's poor people but like. When you understand, like we understand how like racism was is a tool of like is a tool of class warfare, mm-hmm. so it's like we really kind of like catching we're catching it on on so many fronts, right. you know. It just is what it is. But nah, like black people do support black businesses now. Uh, you know, I, I think that you know a lot of times when we when we when we try to critique, um, we try to critique our situations. As black people are like, you know, the things that, you know, plague us, our community or whatever. A lot of times we try to, the first thing we try to do is blame us. 
Well, why are black people supporting a black business and making that business successful because we can spend X, Y, Z on, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, that's not a black business. But what we really need to be asking is what systemic measures are in place that allow black businesses to fail easily if that's what we're seeing right. you know um or, or or what is it like or like what advantages do you know do white owned companies and businesses have that black companies don't have in mm-hmm. you know in the ways that they're successful and you know for a lot of you know for a lot of you know like upstart like you know successful white upstarts and upstarts are owned by white people or whatever like they're come, already coming from wealth you know they're coming from generational wealth already and they have a nest egg of you know like what's this shit that Trump said a, a small loan of a million dollars from my father yeah. <laughs> like nigga let's be real we could probably put together all the black people in this in this whole library and see if we can scrape together a million between like right, right. Uh, you know what I'm saying and that's and that's a you know really of no fault of our own like a, we haven't exploited anybody to get wealth. <laughs> B, we like you know, and we haven't been like you know, we being like being actively excluded from from wealth and wealthy things, and like you know, and, and opportunities to, to build to build wealth and the financial and wisdom. Yeah. And I mean, it it is it is it is systemic. It is systematic. It is very. We didn't just happen upon here. You know, when we look at we go back to like the Reconstruction era. And, you know, there are towns like, you know, like Tulsa, Oklahoma or Seneca Village and, you know, so many black towns that were literally burned to the ground because white people didn't want to see black people thriving. Like, and then you think about, um, you know, even though like, yeah, it was a style back then, but think of how many like. Like we understand that suits are, you know, are are pretty much like par for course, like business culture, mm-hmm. you know. And even though yeah, it was a style back then, men generally wore more suits. But like you see, how many black men you see in suits, and why were those black men in suits and like hanging from trees? Because those were the ones, the bankers, the property owners, the you know, the businessmen, the entrepreneurs, the people who held. The, who held financial wisdom and you know community building wisdom there's a reason why black activists get targeted because they hold the they hold the knowledge and the wisdom to be able to you know do certain things like that that wisdom was, was, was like they attempted to eradicate that right. so like you know there's a reason why like you know and I, it, it was stuff that I even saw in my in my own uh like learning my family history by doing my ancestry and stuff was just like it seems to me like like you know as a family we were pretty good at one point based off of like you know where my great grandmother's house was and at the time and it's just like wow we was living here with a, with a property like this and then all of a sudden that house just went up in flames one day and don't nobody talk about right. why it happened and where all that money went I know I have stories of from friends who like like their family owned like hundreds of acres in Louisiana and that land was like pilfered was like un- unrightfully like stolen because somebody was able to cook the books and the um like the deeds to, to land and all that land sits on like a like a Robert Trent Jones golf uh tra- trailer mm. and Jesus. it's like you know what I'm saying like and nobody knows what happened but like things like that they it happened so much. Right. So much, so it's like you know, like all of that has to be taken into consideration. Like, well, of course, black, like we always support our own. Like, we've been on that. Like, 
You can't count on this white dude to cut my hair. Of course, I'm gonna go to the black no, owned barber shop. Like, you, go to you know, like they don't know how to like we'll give me supercuts. Super <laughs> hey, like, I actually did go to supercuts one time. Oh man, how was that? It was it was different. It was, yeah. <laughs> the only reason I went is because a white guy paid for it. Oh, I was man. like, I'm there not. You there you go. Right. There you go. I'm not gonna try it if I gotta pay for yeah, it. Yeah, man, so I get my haircut. Yeah, I could never. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? So like, there's yeah. there's a lot of a lot of those things. Like we like we. Like we we're gonna so we, like we we support black businesses because like black businesses know how to cater us and we do business differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you know I think a lot of people like oh well you know you why do you always try to like wheel and deal in a black business but you would never try to you know negotiate in a you know in a white business or whatever. But I mean that's part of the experience. Like we'll that's how we, that's how we you know what I'm saying. I like, negotiate to being people. like you know to to allow to like negotiate and find a, a medium where I want I want I need this. This is a need or a want of mine. This is what I have. And can we find a way to meet in the middle so we can both be happy? Like, what's wrong with that? I had a meeting last night. We were just talking about, um, bringing about the barter system. Mm-hmm. I've been bartering. Yeah. Books and stuff. Like, I've been bartering, like, services mm-hmm. um, for, like, either for, for poets for performances or my book for their book. Yeah. Or products for products. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah, we just talking about all that stuff. I mean, that's, that's a much more, like, efficient system. Like in a way that get, gives everybody access over like capitalism, because you know, like when you're cash poor and like you live in a society where you can't do anything with, like you can only obtain things with cash. So it's just like I have a lot more to offer than just money, like yeah. paper money. So like you know, what can I got? Like I got like you know. If I grow food, like I got hella food, like right. I can just like I can just give you some food in exchange, you know, or like I provide a certain service where I can give you the service that you otherwise would have to pay for. Your yeah. car broke down, I can fix your car and get you back on the road for for you know free to little or nothing right. if you can you know provide this for me or whatever, you know, and yeah. that's just that just makes sense. Like that's yeah. that's communal living that's what we've been doing so like trying to uh, adhere to like and so there's another another thing too it's like we there's a level of dysfunction in um in like uh like in in black business black uh, uh enterprise and entrepreneurship because like we're trying to conform to this very white, very capitalist society that we shouldn't even be really be trying to like do that shit in the first place. But this is where we're at. But I mean, like, if all your resources, if all not your resources, but if like all your products, everything you get has to be purchased with cash. Mm-hmm. You know, like, how would you even start to tear down that system? Like, yeah, it had to be somebody just, and that's the grassroots. You know, we do it where we can. Yeah, <laughs> you know, do it where we can, and, and just you know, and. You know, maybe it catches on. You know, maybe black people, you know, let people know that, yo, well, you know, if you, you shop down there, you know, he might, you know, he, he'll take care of you. got something good to trade with. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? He might take care of you. Even if you don't got nothing to trade at all, he cares about his people. Right. So, like, you know, he'll let you, you know, go out the hook. And it's like, you know, we're about to operate with capitalism. Like, we know how, you know, we know the basics of, of you know, buying and selling products, you buy it cheap, you mark it up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we know these things. So, like, you know, there's room for that. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's, it's revolutionary, honestly, to engage in bartering, engage in, um, you know, it's just engage in a, in a, in a economic system that doesn't put all, all the weight on just like on, you know, the dollar, like the paper dollar. Like, we Absolutely. can do so much more without yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Order them vegetables for sex if you got to. What? What? 
That's fine. That makes sense to you? <laughs> Did you hear either one of us laugh? I heard myself laugh. That's all I heard. You didn't even laugh. You laughed. You was laughing in your head. Wait, what did you say? See, look, he didn't even hear. <laughs> See, look, he I, was, I was scratching my ears. So that I, was so bad. He was scratching his ears. He didn't hear the shit. No. We're going to close out the show with a joke again. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. So, we going to... We're going to run through these NBA playoffs because you said you don't you give a shit less. <laughs> All right, man. Here's my theory, okay? In a NBA playoff. If the Cavs can win one in Golden State, they got a shot. They got a shot, bro. No, 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 listen. They got a shot. <laughs> you know, you can't even look at me. You look at this shit. They got a shot. To get what does one game do for them in, any, in either arena? You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all heard it here first. Word. If the Cavs can steal one at Golden State. How? They got a shot. Chris, how would they even do that? To get beat in five games. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was going to be I think I said Cavs in five. You said, I'm sorry. Bro, I'm saying the Cavs get swept. I'm saying the Cavs get swept. They get swept. I got more favorites. LeBron ain't going to allow them to get swept. LeBron will die on the court before they get swept. <laughs> like, real talk. LeBron's been swept before. Back in 2007. Okay, man. LeBron's like, get swept. So, there's no chance that they win. No, let's go. <laughs> what you said, I was in Vegas? Bro, 650 <laughs> point underdogs. <laughs> Bro, okay, so. The only way they can win, like there's the only way they can win. No way they can win. Listen, only way they can win is they have to turn into like a different team. Like they have to use. No, listen, and I'm not being funny. All all the athleticism they they traded for at the trade deadline, it's got to show up. <laughs> Jordan Clarkson got to lock on to Steph Curry like glue. Which is impossible. Larry Nance got to play defense on KD because I don't know how that's gonna happen. Because <laughs> because let's be honest, LeBron cannot play defense and put out that much offensive. No, nah, he'll literally like just like break off. <laughs> yeah. So I'm predicting this game one is tonight. It should start in. Yeah, where they playing tonight? Golden State. <laughs> All right, so game one in the books. <laughs> no, I actually think the Cavs gonna steal game one. <laughs> the Cavs I, really do. I think they gonna steal game one. Hold on, do you think on sale, do you think the Warriors will give it to them and reserve their energy? Why would you? Why would you? Straight. That was the worst example. No, because I mean, for ages, they probably pay them like, don't get paid more than what you do? I heard that somewhere. I don't know if it's true. No, you got Katie yeah. making 30 million. Steph making 30 million. He's making so much. You're going to relax after you get this shit. You're going to go home and relax. Nah, fam. This is. I, I think the Cavs win game one, and I think the Warriors get four in a row. I think they went on the Cavs' floor. <laughs> I, I said um, Cavs going to win game three. The first one at home? First one at home, they win game three. That's going to be – because the Warriors won two games in a row. And that's one of the reasons is that they want to reserve their energy. <laughs> they know they're going to win the two games back to back. Know that this is going to be another championship. Reserve their energy for game three. And then come up and – so is there any way that the, that the Warriors lose? If KD, Seth, 
And I was gonna say something terrible. I was gonna say I was gonna be as bad as well. But and and um, Thompson, they all just get sprained ankles. So my man Draymond don't get no respect. Draymond ain't about to win no championship for damn Warriors by himself. Um, <laughs> them three, three niggas mess around and pass out. I don't know. Oversleep. They oversleep before the game. <laughs> but it's, it's just about to be bad. Right. Batman, LeBron, is. LeBron is good. He just, uh, I mean, he's facing the Mountain Stars, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't even call it that because the Mountain Stars ended up losing. So, shit. Like, yeah. Nah, this is probably right. All right. So, Mike's calling it, uh, what, winning five? Warriors uh, winning five. Will says sweet. Yes, Warriors. I disrespect who he is, LeBron James. The Warriors in three. <laughs> Warriors in three. For those of us that don't know jack shit about the NBA finals, so I know how the playoffs work. All right, is it the playoffs? It's the finals. Yeah, it's, it's the, the finals. finals. Yeah. What's this? What's the like? What's the, the once again? It's the, the Warriors versus the no, no, no. I know that. I know the teams. What's the uh like? What's the uh standing right sure, now? Sure. Two, two oh, they just the finals start tonight. Oh, they start tonight. Yeah. I was thinking that like. This shit was already over. I've been it's seeing been all these like LeBron Thanos memes and shit. Because <laughs> like, LeBron has been like inhuman. Like, yeah, he has single handedly brought the Cavaliers to the finals again. Oh word! This is the second time he's on that. No, no, he's been to the finals eight years in a row. Yeah, the final like with the Cavs. Not with the Cavs. With, but, well, this, yeah, with LeBron, but yeah, not just like, LeBron. Yeah, LeBron did it four times with the round? Cavs and then four times with the Heat. Damn, how many times did he win with the Cavs? He's won, he won once won with the Cavs. Cavs. Yeah, he won twice with the Heat, right? Yeah. He got three rings. Yeah. I know a little bit. All right, so. <laughs> I know a little bit. So, who is it? so, it's the Cavs and the Warriors. The Warriors is, uh, what's his name? Well, Steph the, uh, Curry, Steph Kevin Durant. Oh, yeah. Klay Thompson. Oh, okay. It's um, not going to be a good series. There's just a team of Super Saiyans versus <laughs> um, a bunch of Yamchas, basically. No, no. Like, <laughs> Bunch of crows. Are they, are they, who the Warriors? Who's the Who's the Warriors? The Cavs are the Super Saiyans? No, the Cavs are not the Super Saiyans. Oh. The Cavs have Goku. So you think the Warriors are going to watch them? Cavs are the, yeah. Cavs are Goku and a bunch of pedestrians. No. Oh. Um, Warriors are. Hercule. <laughs> they got Hercule. They got, um, they got, uh, what's the name? Um, yeah, Bubbles, the monkey. Yeah. Did the Warriors ever, have they won yet? Is that, that squad? Warriors have won like every year for the past, was it? Like they won, no, they won last year. They lost the year before. Yeah, that's the that, yeah. And, so, and they won the year before that. So. Yeah, word. So, hey, man, it could be every other year. The Cavs go in this year. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he knows. He knows. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, are you familiar with Kevin Durant? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm a little bit, yeah. I don't know. I'm a LeBron fan, I guess. I hey, man, I think a lot of people are. I mean, just because off the, just off the sheer spectacle, like, this dude is a, is great. Yeah. Like, why would you not cheer for this man? He's literally ways, doing, bro. like... There's some people that hate. Ways. Yeah. What they do is they find a the little piece they can. Like, everybody, anybody that hates on them, the first thing they call out is just flopping. Mm-hmm. Which I haven't really seen him be super bad with that lately. But that's the first thing they say. He flops. He's a crybaby. It's part of the game, isn't it? And, um... But flopping? Yeah. I don't want that to be a part of the game. I don't want to condone that as being a part of the game. <laughs> but um, that's the first thing they say. But they just do everything they can. And, of course, they just bring Jordan into the conversation. Mm-hmm. Oh, on the side note, you remember you said the other day about people sharing fake memes? Mm-hmm. 
I've seen so many fake memes lately. What is that? Especially in reference to basketball. It was like something about like uh, LeBron James. It had his stats right there. And it had Larry Bird's stats right there. That's what main fake shit be. It had Larry Bird's stats. And it was like, uh, y'all claim y'all never seen anything like LeBron before. Uh-huh. And, then, uh-huh. and then the Larry Bird's stats were like better than LeBron's. Right. Bro, go fact check stuff before y'all put it out, people. There's no time. Larry Bird average. Larry average. Less points. Less assists. Bro, it was just so bad. Like, and people just keep clicking. They keep sharing. They keep sharing. Because it sounds good and it fits their argument. So it's like, yes, I told y'all. Humans, man, I don't fuck with them. If I get enough, if I get enough of a following. So I'm a, if I get enough of a following, I'm gonna start spreading lies about myself. Go ahead and put myself on. <laughs> <laughs> put yourself on. Have like Photoshop pictures. Bro, I'm, bro, I'm be, I'm, a, I'm gonna be like having sex with Rosa Devine. Like, Drake, Drake, yeah, I'm be having sex with Drake baby mama before he did. Hey, and my shit will be timestamped too. <laughs> <laughs> you got too much time. I know, right? All right. So speaking of that, oh yeah, we got to get to this NFL shit real quick. Um, all right. So new NFL policy. I don't know if you heard about it. Mm. Players will be fined. Uh, I'm sorry. Players will be penalized 15 yards if they kneel during the uh, national. Oh, the kickoff. Before the kickoff. Before the kickoff. Well, yeah, yeah, like, but like. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, when will the penalty be enforced? Yeah. I, I don't exactly know. I assume. Oh. Uh, I, I, I at any random time, the other team can be like, flip <laughs> yeah, over a trap card. Like, ah, like, like, <laughs> hey, this is the real race card. <laughs> I assume it's gonna be. Uh, after the kickoff, yeah. So did they just like move the kickoff? Back? They did move the kickoff. So like, the fuck does it even matter? Like, the game is going to like it's, it's going to be with the Rangers. They fell off over the past year. <laughs> but yeah, um, I guess I don't know if it finds teams. Is it find teams exactly? Um, from what I read, and yeah, I think you tried to. I think you correct me. Um, from what I read, it said it would find the team if um the player comes onto the field and kneels. Now, they can stay in the back in the locker room during the anthem if they want to protest, mm. and there won't be any penalties. They'll just stay in the locker room, and then afterwards, you can come out and play the game. But if they come on the field and kneel their ass down, and it's a, from what I read, it's a fine against the team, and then the 15 yard bullshit. That's why. Right. So, me and Mike had a. Me and, oh, Mike yeah. were have, me and Mike were out to eat, having a good time, <laughs> and the shit stopped right here. <laughs> so, how do you feel about it? Like, would this. With this move, first off, do you think the move is right and fair? And also, do you think that people should boycott the NFL for this move? I've been boycotting the NFL for a long time. So, like, I'm I don't know if I've been retired. Like, I feel like, for I guess for a lot of people, it's just like, is this really the line for you? Because the line for me was like a long time ago. Um, I mean, it's, you know, like a lot, a lot of it for me is like, I mean, I'm... I'm anti-capitalist. I'm anti a lot of like things, and like the NFL perpetuates a lot of like problematic shit. So like, right. I just choose not to like. Believe it or not, even though like, what I, from our conversation earlier, I like the game of football. I do enjoy watching it. Like it's fun, yeah. but like there's so much like there's just so much more like involved in like, so- in the shit that makes it not enjoyable. So like. 
I mean, I think that if anybody has any reason to boycott the NFL, I say yes. Like, boycott the NFL for whatever you feel because, like, <laughs> the NFL, like, they're doing so much shit wrong. Boycott it for, like, whatever reason. Whatever reason you have. Um, so when did you stop watching? Or, or was it a certain point? Or um, you were just like, oh, my God, this is too much bullshit. Man, like, it was, it was really, like, I want to say... The way that they handled, I think it was like the way they they was kind of handling like Marshawn Lynch, made me just kind of oh with this with the talking and during yeah interviews. like okay. that shit. But then but then it's also one of those like retroactive things where it's just like the more I kind of think about it, the more I kind of realize like man, this shit been fucked up for a minute. Um, <laughs> like the the Kaepernick shit, like I, I wasn't fucking with. But I, by that point, I was already you can't like boycott something extra hard. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm gonna go out, you know, I'm gonna go out protesting the Carolina State. Yeah, like I'm not doing all that. Yeah, you like it's not an NFL thing. Yeah, like I mean, just from I'm going to the league. <laughs> I was over it. Like I was over it with like. I just been over I've been over it for a while but I I think the rule um the rule is like it's fair but like not because like not for for I don't like that rule because even though yeah it's fair in the grand scheme of the NFL where it's like you just don't have to come out here it's still effectively silencing right. the protest right. the I whole point of the protest yeah and it's just like that's the thing it's like that's what like you know just these systems will do is that they will just make it comfortable that's what again as long as it's comfortable we, then we don't have to look at things right like, you know you know, like, like you know, uh, athletes who are advocates, particularly pro-black advocates like Marshawn and, and, and Colin and, you know, all the people that I guess I like, support them were making them uncomfortable because they're making them think about, like, y'all are racist. <laughs> like, and this, everybody's whole thing is racist. The whole, like, the whole, like, NFL as a, uh, uh, as a, as a spectacle to, to reinforce, like, jingoism in American culture is and I'll explain that word for the listeners who might not know like it, it's just like I was just over that jingoism is is just like the um, it's like the culture of like the military mm-hmm. it's like military like military culture and like the undying like support of that and just like right. you know just like this belief in like military might as just like something to you know take pride in like that's like jingoism and, and yeah like you know just how how much just military propaganda exists and like all of this shit it's like oh it's just a game like but every like you know there's like a like 30 minutes dedicated to fucking flag shit and flame punch lines and soldiers all over the fucking place and, and what's crazy is the protest isn't even against the military like, yeah, it's not at all yeah, yeah right and that's, and that's the thing too it's like motherfuckers keep trying to make it like they, like they're intentionally like con- like misconstruing the whole point of the protest the kneeling protest to make it about like to make it about that, but it's not even about that. So they're still not even addressing or acknowledging the the thing. And if they, you know what I'm saying, the, the, the whole point of the protest. So it's just like it's moot. Like so, it's kind of like you know it would have been it would have been cool if like you know maybe the NFL put you know put invested money in or invested money or resources in. You know, organizations that that sought to to mitigate the the disparities in the ways that law enforcement treats black people, which right. is what the protest was about. Right. But like they they didn't do any of that. It just like we're like well how we'll just stop. 
You know, like how about like instead yeah, of over here, just go away. Yeah. If you don't have to look at it, you can deal all you want. Okay, <laughs> see, not really in the NFL's defense, they did set up that program. <laughs> they did set up that program through uh, what was it called? The the players' coalition. Uh-huh. They negotiated something where they were going to give players' coalition ninety three million dollars for community activities. Is that in the third? How much? Ninety three million. I want to say. Uh. It was, it was a pretty decent amount. Word. Um, but anyway, so we had different different viewpoints on this. Mm-hmm. If you had to guess, who do you think was on the side of the NFL? <laughs> I don't I honestly don't know. You I, really don't know? Was it you? I was on the side of the NFL. Yeah. Well, yeah, he put his back out. Let me tell you something. That <laughs> <laughs> was real, bro. Kanye came out. <laughs> there was a whole thing. He came out, played one note. Okay, my whole point is the fact that the NFL is a business. Mm-hmm. Business is not all the way, all the time fair to everybody. Mm-hmm. My my viewpoint was that if the if the NFL felt like kneeling for the flag was costing them viewership, which ends up costing them money, the business has every right to do what they feel is within you know their power to you know stop that. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they were shutting the cause up totally. Uh, well, okay, let me say this. They weren't directly. They weren't directly shutting up the calls totally. But they were, though. No, no, because, no, my opinion, my opinion is that, is that these players get an after-game interview all the time. You can express it then. You know what I mean? But no, you can't, though. Why not? Because, like, you know that they, you know the ways in which they sanction uh, they 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 sanction players' behavior like outside of just the game itself. At the, but at the same time, like no nobody who has a job is allowed to just do what they want while at their job. You know what I mean? Like if you, unless you unless you work for yourself, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, you know I can't go up to my job and protest. I can't just kneel in the fucking middle of the room when I feel like it. Okay. The, the you can. Them white folks will say you just something. Don't want them. <laughs> right, right. And why? But I'm just saying, like, you know what I mean? Like, if it. So I feel like any business has the right to protect itself from any loss of revenue or, you know, whatever. But that that's capitalism. But that's, that's, that's where we're at, though. You know what I mean? So, like, like, why, so like, why are you so vested in capitalism? I'm not vested in it. They are. No, I'm that's not. literally you saying no, that you I'm believe. Not in you just said that you believe that a business should have the right to protect its capital at any by any means necessary. That is the definition of capitalism. Okay, so uh, mm. that's 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 where I'm at. That's where where I'm I live. But see, but I mean that that. But see, that's my whole my whole thing. Is like, I'm anti that shit because like where where is the line draw? Where do you draw the that's line? Violations of human rights. Is that's that where you draw the line? Because it's like it, like do you, if you draw the line at the violation of human rights and we have the right to free speech and they're clearly violating that by censoring people who have a very legitimate like. Gripe about about the country we live in, but no job wide. really gives you the right to free speech while at the job. That's a violation of human rights. But okay, that's okay. I agree. I agree. I'll agree to that. But everybody accepts it in all these other situations. People, you know, these jobs that say you can't curse or you can't, uh, you know, say but that's a false you... equivalency because we're not talking about cursing. We're talking about people making a statement about. 
but you're people saying, being like, murdered. You're saying free speech, right? Like free speech is free speech, no matter how you. No, it's not. I think your point because it's like like free speech isn't just free speech. Like that term alone, that that the the whole notion of that is it it's weighted because a lot of times people try to they try to equate free speech to like I should be able to be a Nazi. And I should be able to like uh, be BLM. Like those two things aren't equal on opposite ends. Like you know, like you can't, you can't. You would be a white supremacist. Would be the same reason somebody would be on black, black. Like pro black, yeah, would be BLM. Yeah, it's not the same thing. And a lot of people try to draw that false equivalency when we talk about like free speech. But like you know, that's not that's not it either. So it's just like, and this is why I just stopped watching because I was just like. You know, like, and it's just like, it's a little, it's a legit, like, moral dilemma, and it's like, for why, to be entertained, like, you know, and then it's just like, and then at the same time, it's just like, I mean, shit, there's so many other things that, like, I entertain myself with that are problematic as hell. <laughs> so, like, you know what I'm saying? You so know, it's like, shit, like, yeah, I, yeah, I boycott NFL, but, like, I'll be playing the hell out of PlayStation, and, like, and I just, <laughs> everything I just said about, like, you know about technology and, and where they get their their shit from, like and and that yeah, it is the world we live in. But like, I guess it's like it just became it becomes a, like I'm actively trying to divest, you know, where I can. Right. Um, but at the same time, I'm not I'm I'm not about to just throw everything away and just like you know what I'm saying. Then what? Like yeah, yeah you black in America, like it's hard to like yeah, it's like damn if you do and damn if you don't. And then what? Like go back to Africa. Like, but I mean, they're like white supremacy is very much alive there too. Right. <laughs> you know, so they're what? They just want us to, and that's the thing. <laughs> that's, told me. that's the whole thing. Like, they just want us to not exist. They want to make the world so uncomfortable for black people that we just right. would rather die than to live right. here. <laughs> right. And that, they're not getting that out of me either. No. You know, but at the same time, though, like, I mean, to me, football is not important. It's not, so I can let that shit go, <laughs> you know, and like you know, and, and so many other things, right. you know. But you know, fucking Borderlands is kind of important to me because that's how I unwind, <laughs> like you know. So like I'm a yeah, but you know, like it's I mean, it, it it's maddening. It, it's truly maddening it trying to wrap your head around like the things you can't do or can't do and. Vice versa. So that's what I think most of all, like, you just shouldn't judge. Like, I'm getting tired of people throwing judgment at others for not boycotting certain shit mm-hmm. when you know you do similar shit. Yeah, there's other things that you could boycott. But at the same time, though, like, you know how, like, you do know how powerful of a statement would be to, like, just take all the wind out of the NFL. That's what I was and saying. just like and be like, you don't want to treat black people right? Well fuck you, watch your shit die. That's what I was like and we can do and we do have the power to do that. Yeah, I agree. You know, we do have the power was, to do that. Still, especially with the NFL. Players. Especially with, with how much with how much uh how much uh presence and like how invested black people are in, particularly in the NFL. Right. Like if we all if we literally all just just like fuck that we're not gonna do it then. What? What are you left with? White players? <laughs> Who's watching that? Yeah, nobody's watching that. <laughs> I still want to see the players protest, but uh, and I would like to see a mass walkout. But I also understand that. But see, but at the same time, though, I understand that people in the back. I understand that playing professional ball has been a way out for a lot of a way out of like poverty for a lot of black people, and I gotta you know, and I'm not gonna fault them for that, you know, because we're all just trying to navigate. And escape poverty like, like however we can, right. you know. But 
I mean, shit, man. I guess it, it's a it's a pick your poison thing. Yeah. It's a pick your poison. Man. I guess that's just the poison I'm not gonna pick. You, you got um, a pen? Who got a pen? I got a pen. pen. Shut up. Okay. Um. All right. So before we, before we get out of here, we gotta we gotta talk about all this Pusha T Drake stuff. Yeah, we gotta. All right. So. Uh, Pusha T's album came out. What was it? Last Friday. Mm, I think so. Yeah, last Friday. Uh, he dropped a track. Well, there was a track on there called Infrared. Flames. Yeah, it's a dope track. He lightly he lightly talks about Drake. He tapped him. He's yeah, like, hey, come on, hey. Yeah, he lightly talked about Drake. I can't remember the bar or the bars. Or, but um, anyways, Drake responded. The whole hissy fit. Yeah, Drake. Was was, nice bit, though. <laughs> Drake responded with Duffy freestyle. Duffy freestyle. Hella dope. Yeah. Um, took a, really he took a lot of shots at Kanye, a few shots at Pusha T. Um, and so everybody's like, "Oh shit, Drake! Oh shit, Drake! This, that, the third. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." Drake dropped that on. I want to say he dropped that on Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. Anyways. Uh, what was it? Memorial Day or was it day after Memorial Day? It might have been Tuesday. So push this yeah, it was, was last night. It was like it was, it was, no, night before last. It was last Tuesday, night. yeah, yeah. Tuesday. Good Lord. Push the drop. The story of Adidon, and it's nah, yeah. I've heard, I've heard <laughs> it a few times. It's so like. <laughs> The it's it's really I gotta give Snicky this bro. It's really dope because it starts with the artwork. Oh, it starts with the artwork of the shit, bro. Like that was Danny. I'm telling you, man. Because like I follow Pusha T and I was just scrolling down Instagram. I'll never forget, bro. I was in my room. Cause I just put Mackenzie to bed, my daughter to bed. I was in my room scrolling down Instagram looking for some IG buns, and <laughs> and I saw like oh Pusha T put out something new, and I said. And it was this thing in blackface. I didn't know it was Drake at the time. I thought it was some white dude. I thought it was right. I thought it was like yeah. Photoshop or like a white dude that kind of looked like Drake, like some. But the more I looked at, it, I was like, "Oh shit, that's actually." <laughs> and then like the dial, you know, I be you know, I see some tea. Like I be looking, you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna look for more. Like yeah, I'm yeah. looking for explanation. It was like people were like, "Yeah, that's really Drake. He really did this shit." Like this is this is why. Man, buddy said Lincoln bio. I went there immediately, <laughs> and uh. Yeah, man. Guy had flames. Um. So, anyways, what what bar hit hardest for you in in both songs? Because uh, I like see, so I like how light infrared was because I just knew this shit was coming. Um, I like the whole um baby line, like niggas look at them crazy for um you know trying to kill a baby, but like he really killed a baby. I'm talking about it, uh, the other two, the actual. It's all W uh W. Oh, yeah. W, 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 yeah. Um, okay, 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 well, just give me one from Push. Cause I can give him Push. <laughs> um, bro, that's like the whole thing, really. Um, shit. The thing with his moms and dad, that's when like I knew shit was going wrong. Oh, that whole concept? When he started off going at his parents. <laughs> and like everybody knows the drug been talking about you know, his emotional relationship, his parents' emotional relationship, and everything like that. And um, the way he talked about his damn dad, and the way he connected. The nigga said his mom was getting dogged out. First of all, he don't come from mom. But the nigga said your mom's getting dogged out. And you putting on your dad with these damn Steve Harvey suits. <laughs> Man, like, pushes pushes like the uh story of Ad, uh, added on. Adidon? Yeah, added on. Added on. 
That shit was so comprehensively disrespectful on like, so many it was, like it was like it was masterfully crafted, even though it's like hella problematic. Like there's a lot of shit. And there's a lot because honestly, it's like I'm watching this for the spectacle, but I don't have a dog in the I mean, fight. bro, like I'm bro, like, like, this, I want some shit that's problematic. Like I like you know, like, but it's just like, I mean, for you know, for what it's worth, they both can really kind of go to hell, like, for the ways in which the ways they do things and like just all of that shit. It was, oh, but man, like, push was so, like, like I said, just comprehensive. Bro, I'm telling you, this man my favorite that line, line. Man said, 40 hunched over like he 80. That was oh, amazing. Yeah, that bro, was that man like, is, damn, that man is sick, sick, sick. I know how much time he got. Tick, tick, tick. I was like, the oh, shit, this is um, Shit, we going about his hair texture, how he ain't black enough to. Oh yeah, that yeah. shit. Was, Talking about how he never grew an afro because it wouldn't happen now. Yeah, that, that shit was white like, <laughs> compared damn. to the rest of the shit. But I mean, I feel like that's the shit. I feel like when you really think about like you know, you think about like Drake's like story and and all of that Drake. shit. Like then you think about all of that and how his experiences as a biracial tragic mulatto. <laughs> you know, light skin, like you know what I'm saying. It's just like that. That's the shit that hurts because it's like, yeah. man, like you going back to like you going back to childhood. I mean, is that the inadequacies you feel like? like I feel like I mean, going at because it's like I feel like child like push and put put Drake out there in yeah. such a way that it's just like invalidated so much of what Drake like works hard. Yeah, to and that's what it, people which is his blackness. You know, and I feel like like pushing validated that shit and then to expose him even further with that fucking cover and shit was just like, damn, yo, like push literally was just like, nigga, you not even one of us. And oh. that shit to like that that's the shit like Drake can can never come back from that because it's like bro, he literally he literally like like pushed like pushes man out of the community on some like <laughs> you're not even black enough to like have this conversation. You shouldn't even be here. Like who that shit was cold. Well, see, like another that thing, shit was cold. I was listening to something and they were talking about like how Push did the whole mom and dad shit, right? Mm-hmm. And then like after he talked about the baby it was like, bro, you're doing the same thing to the mother of that's your child. Yeah, you coordinated the whole shit. Oh, bro, that's that mother. Generational shit, trauma. I don't know what I'm saying. Well, pushes it in like top 10 MC's conversation. Like, so did, I guess the biggest question now is did he go too far? Because, no, I don't think that. I'm like, I'm like, he was first, as far as rap beef and as far as stand up comedy, my rule is like, there is no rules. Like, if shit is problematic, niggas not gonna fuck with you and you know not to say that shit no more. Yeah, like, but like you can't say that on a regular track, but <laughs> yeah, you can't be, yeah, you can't be niggas ain't never gonna not fuck with somebody from saying the problematic shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but like, unfortunately, there, there there isn't a too far unless you like get on some wild like maggot shit like Kanye. <laughs> but you still like there are still like, plenty of niggas defending them. So yeah, like, bro, I'm still playing that lift yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I was real, real quick. We run out of time. So, I don't know if you know, but Drake put out the damn notepad response so far. That shit was so ugly. I haven't seen it yet. This is whack ass. Don't do it, bro. But a little notepad response. Then he lost it. Then a rap beat. It's not making his statements. He got a week. He got a week. It's real close to a loss. He don't have a week. He don't have a week because look how quick he came back with a W freestyle. But see, he got no reason for all that, but he got a week. To get a formidable response, 
to push um push this track. That's why I give him a week. Mm-hmm. You can't just make another dubby freestyle. That's ain't enough. But I mean, how long did it take Push to drop that though? He already had that shit in the vault, bro. Like nah, he already yeah. had that. Shit. No, no, bro, no, bro. Those bars were so intricate. But like, that was he probably done. put some new shit in there, but he already has that shit. Was, yeah, all those punches were ready. But see, that's the thing though. Like, if you playing this game and, and Drake be playing this game, then like yeah, you should have shit. No, in the vault. And here's the thing too: this beef isn't new. Like cash, no, the whole it. like good music, cash money, like young money, like. Beef has been going on for like a long time. But like I was telling what the beginning before the show started, Drake's been at the top where he could like choose his opponent at this point. Like he could choose to respond to Meek. Plenty of other rappers have come for him. He's ignored a lot of them. Mm-hmm. He's, he's chose to respond to Common. Like he chose he can choose who he wants. Mm-hmm. When you push and you shooting at the top, like you already ready. You got your ammunition and everything. You prepared. Mm-hmm. So when you at the top, you ain't been preparing. And you finally decided to respond to somebody, you know that's not the same level of preparation. Mm. So that's why I'm giving him this week. Because like he, there's know, no bro. way, there's no way he could be I don't know, bro. I don't know where Drake is from. There's been enough back bad back. blood between those two camps to for there yeah. to have been. But when you Drake, you popping, you, you know, bro, I said, bro, I said the same thing during Meek shit. I was like, y'all sleep on Drake. Because cause y'all were saying that Meek had But y'all were saying that Meek had a chance. I didn't say Meek had a chance. I was saying that... uh Drake is from a battle rap background. I was saying this shit during the Meek thing. Is he? Yeah, he, he's like all at president. Like, there's a thing in Canada called King of the Dot battle yeah. rap. He's like there all the time. He funds, he funds some of them. Second uh-huh. third. Like, he is at a deep background in battle rap. So he's ready, bro. I don't think Drake would have started this without having a means to end it. You know what I mean? Nah, that's what I'm saying. Give him a week, bro. Yeah, give him a week. I don't know about the weak timeline. The timeline seems too hard. Niggas, niggas got real shit going on. They do, but if I'm saying if you wait longer than a week, then how 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 long was the the ether and I don't that, know, that can't that can't apply here because like we're not in, we're in a digital we're in a different technology speed shit up right this like, shit this whole shit should could have taken like a month if not longer. To transpire, if we did, if we weren't rocking on the internet, that's what I'm saying. Before. Like you look at Meek's response, we Meek waited too long with that. Um, I don't even remember the name of his shit. Okay, so let me ask you this: So if Drake puts out a response, right, and it's not like flames, it's just okayish, right? It's just okayish. It just keeps him in the fight. Do you think like posts between like IG shit, like like just IG back back and forth shit would work, like to keep the feud no. going? Like no, that's the feud. But as far as like, like the push, beef? like literally has nothing else to say. It is literally Drake's, Drake's move. Yeah, apparently he got paid I, on the like, It is Drake's good. move. That nigga is in check. He is in check. He is in check. He ain't in checkmate yet. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I mean, he's in check. It's not checkmate, but it's just like, man, like, it's checkmate after a certain amount of time. It like, is. Like, it's checkmate after a certain amount of time. Like, but at the same time, is it even really, like, like, even though, like, Push, like, won this, like, why, with, like, even for, like, you know, he wins this beef or whatever, but, like, it's not the end of Drake's career. Ain't nobody about to stop listening to Drake over this. Ain't nobody like, gonna stop listening to Push over this. There are plenty of reasons why you should. You know, I think Push has everything to gain. You know, you know. I think. I mean, because like you know, and I'm not even like I'm not even like pro Push because like <laughs> like he fucked up for that damn album cover. Like, I think he, I you think know he what I'm saying? Kanye, like, let's not forget that shit. Like, I think he let, like, Kanye, like, just have his way with that shit. Yeah, but even still, though, like... No, I'm not saying he, that. He, he, he covered what he, he could have drawn a hard line. There was a picture of Whitney Houston's... Like, the bathroom she died in. 
And it's just like, yeah. man, that's so fucking. I ain't paid eighty five thousand to get that picture on there. But if somebody fucking put the operating room at Don to die in, ooh, you know what I'm saying? That's what Drake needs to do. Be off. This shit should be ooh. like. That's what Drake need to do. Bro, Drake, <laughs> bro, Drake need that shit. But then, but then that's also like Ooh. Drake kind of moving the goalposts. Bro, Damn. what if Drake was next to the doctor smiling? What if Drake was next to the doctor in the room? Damn, I promise. By the grave of Donald. I don't think, I don't think Drake has that kind of savage. He can't have that type of... He can't mm. have that level of savage. Boy, you got to be. You got to have some nuts on you, boy. Boy, you better... I mean, that's the shit, too, where it's like... Where it's shit, <laughs> like, 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 and there, there's an unspoken line in rap beef because, like, shit is there? Really real. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Push was push was tiptoeing across. If you wouldn't, if you like, there's certain things that you wouldn't say to a to a nigga in real life because you know those consequences. I don't know, fam. There are consequences. I'm just saying it is. There was a line pushed across that shit already. So. Yeah, he, I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah, he, yeah, definitely. But <laughs> even still, though, like, I mean, I don't know. I get. I feel like it's. I feel like a lot of rap beefs are always just end up becoming an arms race. And who's gonna like bring the shit to the streets? Nah, shout out. But like you start talking about somebody's dead mom, like I don't. I would hope they're both better than that. I don't. I don't want. That's what I don't like about rap beef at all. I don't, I'm not trying to see things. Which just goes too far. Yeah, I'm not trying to see things get hurt. But like, yeah, but I mean, it's kind of like. But at the same time, though, like in the ways that we, in the ways that we glorify the beef and shit, like we're kind of like we're we're kind of responsible for that shit going so far. Because the whole thing well, is about is about like who can damage the male ego the most, and what does the male ego do? Well, see, I always felt like act out. Who can damage the male ego? Yeah, sure, but we should both be still be men enough that like we don't want to see each other die. We just don't like each other. We gonna test our skills on this wax, but we ain't trying to see each other die. But I mean, but at the same time, though, like Push kind of said said he's okay with that. And then my whole thing is just like, and that's the shit that just makes it so late for me. It was just like, y'all can't just make music without this. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, they can. They can be good. Man, they they be can, good. but it's just like, tired of like... <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of late Like it's kind of late There's so much more That can be done creatively Than this like cheap Let's see I think Well Drake's had a slump As far as creatively But like Push is at a creative All time high so, I'm a couple of sides Yeah um, We're talking about like His actual content Is at all time high right now So where would you put the album The, the Daytona album real quick In his um, Oh well just On a One to ten uh, That's definitely a nine Okay Definitely yeah. a nine Niggas are embarrassing, man. <laughs> that shit. That's really what I say. It's just like this shit. Like for what it is, like this shit's really embarrassing. Because it's just like in, in in this global, like this this global um this global like stage, this global stage of like of creativity and shit. Mm-hmm. Like we could be doing so much dope shit, like creatively investing in all kind of shit, and like this is what y'all niggas doing. So you fighting like, each no, other. So you, so you really it's like niggas fighting at an art gallery. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what that shit feel like to me. I seen a fight go down at a poetry show one time. Like, first, I, I was like, niggas beefing at the, at the open mic, my dude. All right. Um, real quick, can you drop your stuff? You yeah. So um, it was really good talking to y'all and you know hashing out some of these things. I don't. I, I actually don't. I don't get to, to hear a lot of these um like uh, points of view sometimes. So uh, it was you know it was interesting to you know hear some things, be able to drop some knowledge and shit. Um, so Art by Krieger, you can check me out online at artbykrieger.com. That's my website. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Um, you know, fine art, graphic design, 
you know, all of that stuff, whether it's, you know, business cards, album covers, logos, like whatever you need, I can get that done, oh. as well as commissions on the fine art tip. So if you want something, holla at me. Dope, man. Thank you so much for being on the show. Appreciate you. Indeed. Thank you very much, y'all. Yes. Yeah, man, for hearing this, too. Oh, yeah. I wanna, I'm, I'm interested to hear... Um, why, like, once this is dropped, yeah, what comes of everything after this? And kind of, oh, you know, yeah, like, know, right? you know, we have like a record now of like, <laughs> of like, you know, who was right, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, no, we got to come back, um, after the whole beef settles down to see, yeah, hell yeah, all that shit. Unfortunately, we'll be skipping our third for the week. Today. No, we got time, real quick. Okay, hurry up, get it in. Lazy Beats, she finds hell, she's on Atlanta, she came up on Broadway, uh, she's on Netflix, um, Easy, which is a great show. Um, all that shit. Check out uh, IG.com, Lazy Beats. Check out website, LazyBeats.com. You can book her like I'm about, I'm about to do. You can book her? Yeah, bro. Uh oh. She's gonna put this whole check. <laughs> yeah, she finds hell. Like, check her out. She's dope. And she's funny. She's pretty funny. So, yeah. I just care about her looks. Um, <laughs> thank you for being um, so, here. Yeah, man. Thank y'all for joining us for another episode of Cultivated Ignorance. To all those who tuned in on uh, Facebook Live, we appreciate you tuning in. Absolutely. We will see y'all on the next one. Love Peace. you guys. I love you. Willows love you. <laughs>